This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Celtic Lumos TV, the Bars and Barvel podcast with your host Mark and myself, Paul. On today's show, we will talk through our weekly transfer rumours and gossips along Celtic. Uh, and seen as a Scottish football week, we will take a look at back at some of Celtic's greatest and lows in the Scottish Cup competition. Firstly, though, I would like to dedicate this show to Danny, uh, Donny 1972, uh, whose late brother sadly passed away at the end of April. Donny's brother was a St. Johnson supporter. And with St. Johnston winning the Scottish Cup yesterday, uh, we we hope that it was a bit of comfort to yourself, Danny. Mark and myself, uh, we'd like to wish our condolence to you, Danny, as I'm sure all the guys on our forum platform wish our condolence to you as well. Hail, hail from, all, from us all, Danny. Mark, I'll hand off to you for weekly shout-outs. Oh, thanks very much, Paul. Thanks again for everything you do. Shout there for uh, Donny on the forum. Uh, just ROH as well. He'd a wee bit of bad news on Friday. He's going to have to get chemotherapy again. So I'm sure I speak for everybody as well on this site and on here. And I say that we're all rooting for you, Richie. And you're in our prayers and we're sure you'll smash it again. Uh, the usual shout is just to Tim Alloy and Malika and young Ben, which gives me a need to mind and male Steph to see how Ben is. I've not spoken to him in a while. Uh, just the guys in the chat, see there, Mikey, and he's grinding away on FIFA. I didn't even mm-hmm. I didn't even qualify for it this week, Mikey. Uh, Iceman and Bobby. Bobby that doesn't come to the forum, but he's here every week. Nice to see you again, mm-hmm. Bobby. AGG, he's always there as well. Nice to see you, lads. Let's go on you go, Paul. Let's go. Perfect. Our guest on today's show will be Barry. This is Iceman from the live chat and he'll be joining us shortly on the show with myself, Max. So firstly, Celtic, uh, bit of Celtic gossip and rumours of someone in Celtic. Long-term Celtic target Albert Eyes of Bovista won't be coming to Celtic anytime soon as Bovista have slapped a £10 million asking price on the Honduras striker. Celtic have been tracking the player since he spent time in America and have failed to sign him on numerous occasions and recently failed with a three million bid back in January when his former club Houston Dynamo rejected the bid. Celtic Exodus is well underway now with John Joe Kenny, Diego Lasella and Mosa Nuni returning to the parent clubs. Will we start seeing outgoings now in the next couple of weeks or next couple of days? As it's being reported that Celtic have terminated the contract of Olivier and Cham, and myself and Mark will talk about more about this later on in the show. Aston Villa have reportedly made a bid 
for Celtic youngster and midfielder David Turnell in the region of seven million. Do Celtic cash in on the player now, or do we wait uh, and build up uh, the Turnell's transfer value? And is he a key player for Celtic going forward next season? Uh, Mark and myself have been talking about the obstacles around surrounding the Daily Howe management uh, situation at Celtic. And one thing that kept popping up was that his guardian leave with Bournemouth till the end of the season and his backroom staff also being contractable. With Bournemouth failing to, 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 failing to make it to the playoffs final this, week, uh, this weekend, is it now time for Celtic to get the manager in place and with his backroom staff as soon as possible and start to rebuild immediately? This, of course, is that Eddie Howe is going to be our next manager or will Celtic fans be way off uh, way off the ball and Celtic will, will appoint someone we really didn't see coming? So, Mark, that's our first bit, first bit of gossip. So, Basically, the, the main thing is uh, is Eddie Howe that if it was his guardian leaf mark and the the backroom staff that there's no if his Eddie Howe is the man there's there's no obstacles no why Celtic shouldn't be appointing him really is there if the first thing you know if it is going to be Eddie Howe I'm expecting an announcement this week Paul I mm-hmm. don't see why there's not going to be any holdups if it has been that gardening leaf thing and other coaches whatever it's been. It's all over and done with now, so there's no hold up. And if it's Eddie Howe that's kicked, he feels a bit self him. It's now or never Eddie. But you think, if it's no, it's a no. <coughs> would you think they would have any, maybe, agreed with Bournemouth, uh, maybe a package for, for, the, for the coaches coming already, Mark, and that they didn't want announcement because they were involved in the playoffs? Do you think that maybe that could have been one of the reasons why? This has all been delayed. I think it probably, if it was part of the deal, then of course it would be. There's no one to kind of hinder bonus chances of promotion when the players know that there's going to be uproar behind the scenes, no matter if they go up or down. I mean, if they get promoted to the Premier League, was it going to cost Celtic a lot more money to get these coaches in? Mm-hmm. Maybe that was part of something to do with as well. Exactly. Maybe it was a... Was, uh... They're going to ask for a bigger asking price, or maybe the court themselves wanted a bigger wage mark if they were going to get a bigger salary if Bournemouth did go to the Premier League. You know, they were all kind of things that maybe would have been re- renegotiated between Celtic and and Bournemouth and Eddie Howe. Do you know, so look, it's over. So if Eddie Howe is the man, surely, Mark, that does nothing else there, really, as you said, like that, why he should be announced, especially. An announcement in the next few days this week, and that, at least. Do you think it has to be in the next few few days, Mark, or can we afford to delay it a bit longer? You know. Oh, it's back to the thing is, is he been working behind the scenes making plans? Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Is he coming in? <coughs> if, if it is him, is he coming in starting from scratch? And if it's no him, what have they been doing behind the scenes? Do you know what I mean? But. It needs to be dealt with sooner rather than later. We can't let it drag on anymore. There's no every and I mean everybody that's got anything to play for now. Well, the season's basically ended apart from the European, the European uh, competitions and that. So for me, there's no reason why there shouldn't be an announcement this week. Especially with 
the uncertainty of over players wanting to leave Mark and everything in there, like, like, these need to be addressed straight away so the manager can come in, get the players he wants in, and and start building a squad that that he wants. You know, instead of going letting it late in a transfer like Celtic would usually do and basically sign second-rated players, Mark, isn't it? I don't think they can afford to do that this, this time, Paul. Mm-hmm. The players were expecting to leave and the players were needing. I don't think they can dither and wait till the last dying days of the transfer window. I think we'll be getting players in a lot early, as soon as the chances are there. And if there is a manager in place, I think you'll have players that have agreed to come to the club already. We know that we know that, that talk's going all the time with agents when they mm-hmm. shouldn't be getting on, but I'd like to think that the manager, whether it's Eddie Howe or somebody else, have got players lined up and it's just a case of when they came in dotting the T's dotting the T's, dotting the I's and crossing the T's mm-hmm. they're finished. And what about the lone players, Mark, leaving this week, the likes of John Joe Kenny, Diego Laxell and Ellen Lucy would you take any of them back? Maybe on the form of the... I'd take Ellie you know? again at the right price. I would mm-hmm. say that I thought... I, I think he's been a decent player for us, but he could be better. And a better team would mm-hmm. been a lot better. I thought when we signed him, I said that the other night we spoke about him, I thought he would have been Scotland's player of the year. I thought he would have come up here and tore it up. Mm-hmm. First, his first year here, he would have a bit of unlucky, unlucky injuries and that. That didn't help, but... This year he showed flashes of what kind of player he can be, and I would take him if the price was right. The other mm-hmm. two, Max Alt and Kenny. Kenny looked apart when he first came in, but I don't know, just... But would you, do you think, Mark, that with, with Kenny, as you said, like he started off well when he came in, but do you think this lack of confidence in the team maybe shifted onto him, or that it, it spread through him as well, that the team was performing so poorly, or was he actually just so poor and he was actually found out, you know? I, I think it was just he was that, he's been that poor that he was found out. I can't mind who it was, whether it's Barry or Michael that comes on that says he's mm-hmm. well, not seen a lot of him in Germany because he hardly got a game, but when he was over there, he didn't do too well. Yes, Hector Berlin, wasn't he? He was playing over, on, was it? Was he playing on, was it Schalke, I think? Schalke, I think, was it? I think it was Schalke, something like that it was. But one of the worst defences in, in Germany he's when he played under so hopefully they can move on from, from these players Mark, and bring in maybe permanent right 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 back and left back that we haven't have in a long a long way because there always seems to be lone players that we've taken in in those two positions that we struggled in, in numerous seasons now since Tierney left and uh, we had no real right back in the in the team, Mark, for, for years, have we? No, you know? We've not had decent right, right back for Lustig. Mm-hmm. And I, I, would, I, I would have kept Lustig. I've said it at the time, I didn't think... It, it, it was like Scott Brown, he wasn't as pacey as he'd been, but Lustig would have probably stayed here for another year just as a squad player. As I've said before, there's plenty of games to get played, they'd have got plenty of game time. Mm-hmm. If Celtic are loaning in players, for me it should be exceptional players I, I don't mean it's like top we're never going to get do you know what I mean I'm, I'm somebody like that I'm Bappy or that but it should be a team that's going to improve the, improve the team right away it should be a player that's going to come in and take the team up a wee notch mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. we're, we're sending journeymen loanees for positions and as I said before it's the lack of planning that we've got so many loanees in the team we've got so many players all going into the last year of their contract it just again it's just total short sightedness for the board and for level mm-hmm. exactly so we're going to welcome uh, our first uh, guest to the show uh, it's uh, it's Barry as you know is Iceman from our our forum page and Mark Luke trying to connect him and before we before we get to, to Barry like what a strange weekend this has been Mark for Celtic supporters not being in the, in the Scottish Cup final hasn't it? Oh it's it has it's both I didn't watch yesterday's game to be honest with you I put a wee stream on it where I kind of clicked back for it but mm-hmm. it wasn't really it was just because Celtic weren't in it. It was weird after so many mm-hmm. years of dominating and being there. It's just, but well done to St. Johnson for, I mean, I can't lie, I'm a double for a week of St. Johnson. That's a great season they've had. Mm-hmm. And what about yourself, Barry? Welcome to the show again. Uh, how was it for you, Celtic, not being in the, the Scottish Cup final for a long, long time? Like It was just a red feeling yesterday, wasn't it? You know? It was it was it was a strange considering you know we've been in the last four uh, and we're used to being finals and and winning trophies. It was certainly a bit bizarre to to, to see it contested between St Johnson and Hibs and but I thought the best team won. I thought I, I did watch it. I thought St Johnson were by far the better team. They seemed to be really well organised and well drilled. And uh, I thought you know that's how to defend your box. I don't I don't know. How much you guys seen of it, but mm-hmm. to the last sort of ten, fifteen minutes, uh, Hibs sort of threw everything to the pump, and and they just the the, the three centre halves were just magnificent for St Johnson. You know, they won every single header in that box, and one of the commentators mentioned that it was actually a half time before even uh, any of that happened. They'd mentioned that these three guys, you know, they, they take pride in their defending, they love defending. And mm-hmm. I feel that's what, mm-hmm. that's what we've kind of missed this season. You know, we've missed guys, defenders that just love to defend. Uh, but these three guys, they were immense. The St. Johnson team, I thought, were very, very good. The the, be- the best team won, like I said. Um, you know, they had multiple other chances to put the game to bed that it didn't take. So I left it a bit nervy for them. But yeah, fair play to them. Congratulations. But yeah, certainly strange. And hopefully we can maybe reflect on this to see, you know, it's... Maybe time for reflection. You know the quadruple treble to win four trebles consecutively. It's, it's an unbelievable achievement, and you know it just mm-hmm. without winning anything this year, it may be time to reflect on what what an achievement it actually was. Exactly, Mark. It just it just shows um, how how far like this Celtic team came, and and how we crumbled this season that we couldn't even get a good cup run in, in the League Cup and. The, the Scottish Cup, you know, getting knocked out by Ross County and then getting knocked out by Rangers in in, in the fourth long. It, it just summed up the whole season, didn't it? You know, how bad we were. Uh, it, was, you know? it was just a continuation of the league. That's all. We never, you know, you can still have a bad season in the league, but if a good cup run, do you know, even win a cup, that was, that's the biggest thing I can't, I can't get my head around, Paul, that we just didn't even contest for a trophy really this year. To go mm-hmm. winning that amount of trophies, we basically the same squad to where we are than now. It's just, I can't get my head around it at all that it fell so fast so quickly. Fell so fast. The best team. Yeah, 
that just sums up Barry, don't it? How how quick we we fell into this this season that we couldn't even get a couple on going, you know? You know? Yeah, I mean, you know we're in a bad season. Is it Barry actually the whole sorry. season? Is is it if you have, we say, like a poor pure league win like Celtic had this season, is it hard to change that to a cup on or does it actually continue? As a as a player, like is it hard to switch off from the poor run in in, in, the, in the league, you know? Well, uh, for us it wasn't, you know, because like Mark said, you know, it, it was just a continuation of our, our form in the league. You know, we were in a right bad mm-hmm. spot back in I think it was October, November time when we played Ross County, and we went into that mm-hmm. game with no confidence at all, and it was reflective, you know, in the result, you know, losing two 0 at home to Ross County in the cup. Uh, and yet, yeah, we never got any sort of relief from from our league form. We just continued it into the cup competitions. You know, sometimes it is a bit different when when you go into comp- competitions that are, you know, you can adapt your game plan. You know, because it's knockout football, you only get one opportunity. To, mm-hmm. Sorry, one opportunity at it. So uh, you know, so sometimes you do adapt your game plan when you're playing cup football. Um, but you know, like I said, our league form was just continued in the cup. You know, against Ross County and Rangers, you know, it was just a continuation of what we've seen for the past weeks, few months. Uh, we just never managed to get out of that rut uh, and you know go on that run that might have given us a bit of an injection into the season. But no, uh, unfortunately, it just wasn't to be this year for us. But it's, it was a great achievement, achievement Mark, by by uh, Craig Davidson. Is it Craig Davidson, the St. John's manager? Callum. Callum But winning two trophies, one more than, than Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> so we have to congratulate him on that, don't we? Well, you know? For a small club like St. Johnson, to win, to win one trophy is fantastic for them. To win a cup double is just... Again, un- unbelievable. Kind of, as it shows you what kind of season it's been, that a, a mm-hmm. smaller club like St. Johnson can come in, can get there and win both cup competitions. Because it's not, mm-hmm. it not just like Celtic Rangers. I mean, you expect your likes of Aberdeen, Dundee United, your Hibs, well, Hibs were in the final, but you expect them to be pushing for cups rather than your likes of St. Johnson's. So I... But it's... it's, it's, it's it's good for for the game as well, Barry, isn't it? To see the likes of St. Johnston lifting the cup. Like it, it's, it's good for the Scottish game as well that the same two teams aren't winning all the time, isn't it? You know, that Celtic got knocked out by Rangers, that everyone expected Rangers to go on and win that league, but St. Johnston knocked them out the semi-finals. That's good for Scottish football as well, isn't it? Well, I mean, not not, not for us, you know, Celtic fans. We always mm-hmm. win everything, but for the game, absolutely. And, you know, there's no doubt St. Johnson, they'll be in the, the, the lower half of the budget, you know, the, the the teams with the lowest budgets in the league, you know, along with sort of Hamlin's Ross County. St. Johnson will be way down there. And for them to win two trophies in one season is an incredible achievement. And, you know, so it's not any fluke either. St. Johnson are no. a good outfit. That, certainly this season, they're a good outfit. I was listening to a stat yesterday. They've only lost four of the last 20 games. Uh, and it was two of them were against us. You know, one of them... Uh, the last home game of the season which you know the rest of a lot of players for but the other three games were uh, us at McDermott Park uh, uh, a couple of months back uh, Aberdeen and Rangers so 
So they're in a right good run of form. So it's not just like the you know they were fortunate with a draw or you know they got a bit lucky in their cup run. This is no uh, you know this is no accident. They're actually a, a good outfit. St John's. They're a well drilled team, mm-hmm. well organised, and you know they've been producing results for a long time now. And, and you know what like I say, fair play to them. Um, we can maybe take a leaf out of their book. It's looking like the fact that when Callum Davison came into the trip that he had a plan in there and now his plan is starting to come together for St. John's Mintus, you know? You there, Mark? Me? Oh, I, yeah. I, he's, proved, well, he's proved he's a good enough man, a good enough manager for St. John's and I don't see, I can see another, another team like the next rung up, up the ladder looking at Davidson now and they'll probably be, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll have caught the eye Championship teams and that down in England, but I don't think that would be a good move for him. No, like as bad as if he's happy where he is, yeah, exactly, yeah. As bad as he's got them playing, what we keep talking about, you don't have to have the best players on the park. You just need to have your players doing their job well, well drilled and well practicing what they're doing. It mm-hmm. makes all the difference at, every, at any level. So I was looking yesterday at the. Between the, the Celtic connection and, and St. Johnston Celtic uh, supporters and ex-players that they have within their squad, uh, Sean Rooney is, is a is a Celtic fan and he's noted he's a Celtic fan, but his grandfather was part of the backroom staff in the 1980s when he was assistant club physio. Uh, Zander Clark, who helped St. Johnston get to the final by scoring an injury time header and, and saving two penalties in the semi-final, He's actually a Celtic support as well. He's come out and said it. Uh, David Whistlespoon was a Celtic U player. And Mark, you mentioned this as well on on the, the live chat in the last game of the season. Jamie McCart, uh, whose father was Christmas Cart, and he's the head of uh, Youth Academy. Jamie was all... support Celtic. Yes, I read it. I read it. I checked it all up. I, I read that. Yeah. Sander Clark. Oh, I'm no doubt. But, I just didn't know. I no. didn't know that. No, I checked everything. I did his Wikipedia and everything, and checked everything out and everything. So, like, there's a good, there's a good collection of of you players. Like, uh, uh, what, what, what Barry was saying before in in the last podcast that a lot of players that leave Celtic, they they make their, they make a name for themselves in in the lower league teams, and there 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 we have there like. Young Jamie McCart, who was part of you set up, uh, David Whispoon was part of you set up. It's good to see ex young Celtic players, uh, Barry, playing in these cup finals, isn't it? That they're able to make their name in, in other teams, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And you know what? It's a, it's a credit to them because obviously, you know, if they're running around the youth team at Celtic at a young age and, you know, unfortunately they don't make the breakthrough, sometimes that can affect a young player. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that have. Have decided, you know, they're going to use that as motivation to go to other mm-hmm. clubs and make a success of their careers. And uh, you know, the young boy McCart, yes, he was outstanding. He was absolutely brilliant. Again, part of that back three that just won absolutely everything that had through at them. Uh, they were a real credit to them. Uh, and yes, so like I say, uh, you know, if you don't always make the breakthrough at a club, you, you know, you can use that as motivation to go on and forge a career at maybe a lower standard or, you know. As, a, as in some cases, there's players that take that step back to then go on and make an even better career for themselves. So who's to say that, you know, 
young is it Jamie McCart? Who's to say he won't get a bigger mm-hmm. move? Whether that be you know he might come back to Celtic, he might get a move down south, but he's certainly gone about things the right way. He's really uh, you know grabbed his opportunity at St Johnson and done fantastically well. He's got two winners medals this season. Uh, and like I say, there was a number of St Johnson players. Yes, I, I know we've been linked with him, but the young guy McCann in the centre park, he, he's a right good player. I, I really wouldn't mind to see him. I know he's been linked mm-hmm. with us for the whole season, but if he was one player that was to come in, I'd be more than happy with that. He, he, he looks like a right good player. You know, I watched him yesterday. I watched him a few times. Um, you know, very very comfortable on the ball. You know, very rarely mm-hmm. gives it away. You know, works very hard. He, rem- he reminds me a bit of Stuart Armstrong, but. Armstrong's more of an attacking player, whereas McCann seems to get on the ball, make passes. Um, make so passes. Sits, sits slightly deep. Yeah, he sits slightly deeper. Uh, McCann, well, we yeah, kind of this season. Like this, someone who can pass the ball from from deep. Like we kind of don't have a player that can do that anymore. So we don't uh, can pass the ball from deep and and, and pick a pass to the. Soro can do. He showed us. He showed us he can do. Mhm. Some of the passes Soro was hitting when he was when he was. <laughs> Playing. Soro can play the play the long ball, long clinical passes for the back easily. Speaking of Zoro, I've been looking up that he's been called up to the Ivory Coast uh, World Cup team, Mark, and he's played very little games for Celtic. But the thing that gets me, like if like Spurs have been looking at him, the Ivory Coast manager has been looking at him. He called him up. He's like, it is seeing something that we don't be seeing in. Like the John Kennedy and Lee have been seen in Zorro, you know, that he hasn't been getting his game. Always a slowly down to the Scott Brown issue that we talked about loads of times. Well, for me, it was just down to the Scott Brown issue. No, no question about it. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that, I can't remember it was the last one the one before, you know, Zorro didn't do anything to deserve getting dropped. You know, no, he, he broke no. into the team towards the end of last year. And he, he was very impressive. And everybody was saying he was impressive. It wasn't just the Celtic supporters, you know. He was getting good write-ups in the, the press, you know, the, the the sports scene guys and that, the pundits. They they were very impressed by him, as were the Celtic supporters. Um, but for, for whatever reason, he was dropped to the team. And we, like I say, we can only think that reason is, was to allow Brown back into the team. He didn't have any sort of disastrous games whereby, you know, where you, you play three, four bad games, you think actually you might, do a wee stint on the bench and somebody else comes in. He was just dropped and Brown came back in and, you know, Sorrow never really regained his place back. So, yeah, I agree with Mark. I think it can only really be because of the Scott Brown factor uh, rather than the fact he deserved to lose his place because, in my opinion, he didn't deserve to lose his place in the team. No. Uh, so, we're going to move on and just since the Scottish Cup final, we're going to talk about Celtic's uh, greatest cup moment uh, Mark, would you know your greatest cup moment? My mine was uh, 2017 final when uh, Tom Roderick stepped up and added on time and scored that game goal against Aberdeen. I know Michael said the other day that he was running against Anthony Costain, but it was the fact that it was the last joint minutes of, of the game that he scored and it clinched us the cup. So, so mine is that. Mark, what's what's yourself? Yeah, mine should be Joe Muller against Rangers. Was that 1991? Was it 89? 89, 89, 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 89. 
I think I was about eight year old at the time and I was at that game and what an atmosphere, what a day. Uh, and they were going for the treble that, that year, 1989. And I, uh, Joe Muller, I think it was a Gary Stevens, but short with a pass back and Muller latched onto it and rifled it in the bottom corner. And yeah, that, that, that was mine as well, going back a wee bit. Gee, so going back a, a good bit there, no right for me to remember that. So, uh, it's only 1989. 1989. Uh, seven. And you can't. I can barely remember. I, you, I, I, I can. I can. I can barely remember the last podcast. I might say. I think another another one. You know, in more recent times, would have been a couple of seasons back. You know, when we. 2-1 in the final, you know, uh, Edward got got the two goals because that was the treble, treble, wasn't it? And that mm-hmm. was that 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 was a, a special moment in the history of the club as well. A, another big Scottish Cup win, um, but maybe, maybe that was the reason that Lennon got the job. So you could look at it two ways as well. But that that was another big big cup final win, big moment in Celtic's history. Now Pedro brought up the hundred Scottish Cup final, nineteen eighty five. That's a, well, I've actually the next thing we're doing is the best Scottish Cup goal. I was going to pick the David Proven free kick for that one, Pedro. That's my uh, favourite Scottish Cup goal for Celtic. And that's actually, I can remember that day. That's me, Kenny McLaughlin, that's in the chat. He's one of my oldest friends, we Kenny. I've known him for 40 odd years. That was his uh, first communion that day, the day we won that Cup final 2 1 against Dundee United. So you want uh, to drink that there, uh, so uh, the Holy Communion money mark for you? <laughs> Kenny's, I was, I'd have been about 10 or 11, Kenny would have been about 8 year old at the time. But I, I remember it as if it was yesterday. Uh, my greatest score was uh, scored by Knee uh, uh, Beaton against Kilmarock on the 12th of August 2015. That he, was, he, was, he was outside the box and it, it was a poor clearance by, by Kilmarock and he just walloped the ball into the the right uh, top corner. He he was known for, but not this season, think, but he was known to get rockets outside the box, didn't he? And he beat him when he when when he when he used to score for us, you know. I used to chip out a few goals, didn't he? You know, done that for a while, and most of them were rockets through the area. Dude, I can't like we. I can't remember the last time really we actually scored a a real rockets. You know, is is that down to do how we play, Barry? Do you think, or we don't have the players uh, to do that? Or you know, no, I, I think I think that's exactly. I, I think we are very guilty of overplaying sometimes. You know, we have yes. opportunities to to take take efforts on outside the box, and it's very frustrating because we make that extra pass, or you know, we look to to pass it out wide. I, I think that's that's something that we are guilty of quite often. You know, overplaying at times. But sometimes oh, yeah. we get within us. Yeah, if you get within a certain uh, distance of the goal uh, and you've got a bit of space in front of you, you know, Lee Griffiths, he does it every time. As soon as he gets a sniff, he, he'll have a strike at goal. But too often for me, we don't take the shots on. We, we, we look for that extra pass. And sometimes it's easier for teams to defend against it if they know that we're just going to sort of pass the ball to death sometimes, you know. Look at Christy Barry. Hi. Chris would take a shot from anywhere, wouldn't he? Uh, he, t- t- he takes it. Yeah, that, that, that's the other side of the coin, Mark, isn't it? Yeah. There's a time to do it, and you've got to know your own ability kind as well. I mean, Christy knows himself that half the time he's not going to go anywhere near the goal, and he should just look for a pass. Because a lot of the time, 
make the pass would be the best option. He's, there's guys in front of him in space, and Christie's still taking a shot feed. Yes. Yards. But even at that, like we 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 don't kind of see the likes of Callum McGregor running up to the up to support the forward line. Right? Like, so like like this year, I know it's more like our midfield isn't in line with the forward line. You know what I mean? To 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 create this space, like as Barry said, we're passing it to the sides, passing it back, passing it back. You know that's that seemed to be us a real style of playing the last uh, couple of years. Hasn't it, Barry? Like this this just silly passing. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I suppose that everybody's got their opinion on it, but I, I just think our, our brand of football, certainly last season, our brand of football was, was a very, don't want to say negative, but it was a very predictable brand of football. You know, very rarely did we do anything at tempo, anything at pace, you know, pass between the lines, get on the front foot, get opposition teams worried. It seemed to be very much sort of backwards and, and sideways passing. And, and that's, you're going you're going to struggle to break teams down if that's your brand of football. And for whatever reason, I don't know, but, but last season it seemed to be that that was the way. Uh, and I think it was reflective in a lot of results and a lot of performances and a lot of uh, post-match interviews that we had with Neil Lennon. It seemed to be the same the same post-match interview time after time. You know, he kept like, oh, we took too long to pass the ball. You know, we're passing it for the sake of passing. So, yeah, I mean, for me, the brand of football that we've played is that- Last season, going go to what you're saying there, like that, Lennon was constantly highlighting this in, in his things that we were guilty of holding on to the ball too long. So is that down to the players doing that, and was Lennon trying to change that, and the players just weren't connecting with Lennon on on that thing? What do you think, Barry? Well, I mean, I've mentioned previously, uh, my personal belief is that there was a lack of game plan. There was a lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. a lack of direction on what he wanted the team to do. And I think that was evident. Well, like I say, that's just my own personal opinion. I think that was evident every time on the pitch. Because it didn't seem like we had a strategy when we went out, right, each player knows their job, this is what I want you to do. When so-and-so's got the ball, I want you to run here, I want you to drop in. Because that just didn't happen game after game after game. So, so my conclusion that I drew from that was that when the players were going out, they didn't actually know what the game plan was. Lennon didn't yes. have a game plan. I kind of just thought it was a case of, you know, we're going to end up with probably 70% of the possession, and as a result, there's a good chance we're going to win the game. That's the way. I, that's that's how I felt that the, the instruction we're going to get, rather than right today we're up against so and so. This is the, how we're going to beat them. We're going to beat them by playing this style and this system. How we're going to do it. I just didn't see that last season for me. Mm-hmm. Mark, would you agree with that, Jeff? I'd agree with that. We've spoke about it a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. It was, it was as if going with Barry saying, it's as if it was the players themselves that were like trying to run, like play the game as it, ha- as it happened. Rather than as Barry's talking about the game plan, it was just the players were mm-hmm. there. It was like they didn't have the game plan, so they were trying to work out their cell phone in the park, and that's where all this monotonous, just wee touchy passes came from. Mm-hmm. It was like reactive like, football, Mark, wasn't it? They were reacting. They uh, weren't under instruction. They were just... I'll, I'll receive the ball, right? I'll have a look up and see what's on. And if there's nothing on, I'll just hit a comeback to That's what it seemed to be like. It was reactive football. That's exactly what it was, Barry. Like, Bosbon was saying there in the live chat, like, we had 36 more shots on target than any other team in the league. Like, that just shows how bad our finishing was. Do you know? That we haven't been taking our chances. Like, if we would have scored those... 36 uh, more shots like 
should we or we won't be in this situation by? Do you think it was just down to a poor finishing this season? Yeah. I, I think there's a number of factors, Paul, isn't there? You know, but, mm-hmm. but that, that's that in itself. You know, if you've got 36 attempts on target more than any other team, then yeah, you'd like to be thinking you're you're going to convert a, a larger portion of that. But, Christy uh, had 34 yeah, I mean, of them. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that, that would explain a lot, that's for sure. That would explain a lot, but Oh, yeah, I mean, like I say, I think there's a number of factors, uh, and we've spoke about it on previous podcasts. But mm-hmm. you know, like I think, I think it's time to to sort of forget, put mm-hmm. a line through this season, and, and, and so, move on, and, and look forward to what next season potentially is going to bring. So every every club around the world, like they, they always have a player who kind of steps up in domestic clubs. Uh, one player for me who always kind of stood up, and I know a lot of people probably won't agree with this choice, was Tom Rogic. I always thought he he stepped up in, in, in the Scottish Cup. He always came up with a goal. It's just due to fitness and things really hammering him. Uh, things not coming to player, Mark, he he actually could become the, the Tom Roderick. But he always scored cracking goals. And he won the Scottish Cup five times so far as a Celtic player. You know what you think? Your kind of best player in, in the Cup? Yeah. See, that's, that's hard to argue with that, Paul. It really is. I know what you're saying, but I mean, we spoke about it before. For me, it was Rogic's attitude that's kind of held back his career. But over, over the last few years, I, I, would probably, I would probably agree with you, I suppose, on that, Paul. Yeah, you can't argue what he... like. He, he frustrates me more than anything. But... Well, you can't argue when when he steps up, he steps up out of nothing. Like do you know what I mean? The only player that you could really realistically put in that into that kind of category would be Scott Brown for the length of time he's been there. Mm-hmm. The cups he's won. Mhm. You know, but he always did. this season, though, Mark. He kind of really went. He didn't do it this season, but like under the Brent Rogers and and Ronnie Dylas, uh management, he did pop up with some magical goals for Celtic, didn't he? Logic, oh, you know, ability wise, I don't think you can fault Rogic. Or you can't, mm-hmm. the actual ability that he's got, the natural ability on the ball, but it just never, he's never applied himself to be a professional football player that like the likes of the Scott Brown, Kieran. And it's not just with Celtic, like it's, it's, it's he's the same with Australia, like he's, he's, he actually can't play 90 minutes either for Australia, do you know what I mean? So kind of laid back in that as well as if it didn't yeah. bother him that he's he why would you have any player sorry Mark go on I'm going to say, I was not going to say he's wasted his career but he could have had a lot better a career than he's had if he had just applied himself better but there's no doubt in his mm-hmm. actual ability no mm-hmm. Barry would you have any player that would mind that would kind of stand out for Celtic in, in the, the Scottish Cup or or the or, or Lee Cops, like a bomb player who would have stood out for you in them, you know? Dan, he loved I to mean, play those kind of cops, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, in recent years, I, I don't think you're wrong, Paul. I, I think Tom Rogic, you know, he does seem to step up to the big occasion, and, and he's proved that. You know, his goals in, in cup finals, League Cup finals, uh, Scottish Cup finals, and the Glasgow Derby games, you know, he, he, he seems to step up to the big occasion. You know, mm-hmm. like you guys were I think, you know, he's had fitness issues and there's no doubt for me that that's sort of held back his Celtic career. 
And like you said, Mark, he, he does have this sort of laid back style, um, whereby you know the Scottish Scottish is a fast paced physical game, and I think sometimes you know that caught Tom Rogic out a bit, you know, because because that's not his he, he's not one that you know was sprinting about the park, you know, gets on the he ball, remember Bobatov for for United, like he just lays about the pitch. But then he'll just produce a moment of magic in in a split second. Like he just reminds you of that kind of player, wouldn't he? You know. Yeah, and, you know, and he's done that. Like I say, he's done that on many occasions. You know, like, I think he scored in the semi-final against Rangers. Like I say, he scored a lot of goals against Rangers. He scored a lot of goals in the cup finals. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, probably another one, probably to a slightly lesser extent recently, would be Callum McGregor. I think Callum McGregor's come up with a good few goals in the cup mm-hmm. competitions. Uh, you know, against sort of Rangers and and another few clubs, but yeah, recently I probably would say Rogic is the one that springs to mind. I, th- I think probably more so for that goal against Aberdeen. You know, the one. That I think he, would be, he, he will that. be. Will he be? He be remembered for that, won't he? The the Aberdeen goal. That's the uh, the one thing when Celtic fans, I think, will think about Rogic will be the Aberdeen goal, Mark, won't this? Uh, you know, I. Quote legend now because of that goal, and he's he'll always be spoke about in Celtic folklore because of that goal. Mm-hmm. And that that was kind of the final piece of the jigsaw for Brendan Rodgers' first season, wasn't it? You know, he'd won the league, would won the league cup, and this was you know the the the, the final part of the treble. And it, you know, at the time, it was I mean Celtic were dominant that game. They really were. They were fantastic, but you mm-hmm. know it was one all. And you know how football works. Sometimes you know you can be as dominant as you want, but if you don't put the game to bed, there's always that chance. And I think I remember that game particularly. I think it was was it Johnny Hayes that broke. There was a two on one. Johnny Hayes for Aberdeen. Uh, I think Callum McGregor. He got shifted to left back, didn't he? Because Tierney got took off with mm-hmm. a nasty mouth injury. And uh, McGregor lost the ball, and it was a two-on-one. And I'm, you're just thinking, he just has to square this, and it's two-one Aberdeen. But he just ever so slightly put it behind the player, and it kept us in the game. And then, like I say, Rogic right at the very end, and that that was just the, the final piece for uh, Rogers' first season to get the treble. So that 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 is the goal in, in the game that sticks out. And I think you're right that that's the one that Rogic will probably most fondly be remembered for. That was a horrible tackle action, Tierney. That final one did. You know that. I, just I, mean, elbow, I mean, had to, yeah, I mean, we had to go off of that. Yeah, horrible tackle, like on, on top that. of his jaw. He had to get dental. He lost a few teeth, and he had to get dental work done. But yeah, but uh, it was a, an innocent elbow, shall we say, that the officials missed. Exactly. So, like, moving on from that, like uh, the the quadruple travel, is is that the the going to go down as the biggest moment in history in Celtic, or? Should the players involved go down as a legends team, or will this year hamper all that success, Mark? Do you think? No, the quadruple trebles. That's a wonderful achievement. Uh, apart from winning the European Cup, that's the biggest moment in Celtic's history. Winning the quadruple treble. Uh, I mean, we've won nine in a row twice. Rangers have done it. The teams all over the world have won. 13 and 14 titles in a row but they'll never you'll never mm-hmm. see another team win a quadruple treble in any country in the world yeah that's, that's the next team I was going to ask you would you think that it'll ever will it ever be achieved again no ever no it'll be a long time anyway it won't be in our lifetime anyway you know 
Did that hamper the celebrations, you think, for Celtic with the fans and stuff like that, with the COVID and, and, and stuff like that are going wrong? It, it really kind of was a kind of a low-key final. Do you, get, do you get what I'm saying? You know? Uh, I mean, it would be the same for her if it had been live on the telly with a full crowd there and played at the right mm-hmm. Like a sign, you know, for last season, kind of thing. I know what you mean. It was a bit of a damp squib, but it's all that's in the record books. That'll do me, Paul. Like, I, mean, I'll tell you what, Paul, 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 No, it was an entertaining final, though, wasn't it? You know, it was very mm-hmm. bizarre. I, I, as was yesterday. You know, you could hear just about every shout from the sidelines, but, you know, the yeah. actual final itself, the Celtic Hearts, to the clinch the quadruple title from a neutral's point of view it must have been a right good final you know three all going to penalties on a knife's edge but yeah I mean I agree with, with Mark you know I think the, the main point in Celtic history is win the European Cup but that'll never the quadruple treble will never be achieved again I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that and I think as well going back to something that I said earlier it's maybe time to reflect on what an achievement it was because yeah. you know, I'm not going to speak about them but you know they were dominant this season, but it just proves, you know, they ended up with one trophy. So it just proves that it's not easy to win cup competitions. It's not easy to win, you know, every comp- domestic competition that you enter. And we did but it are we two seasons f- in a row. Are some Celtic fans very too, too, too quick to forget what this well, team actually you know, achieved? Like, and, like, you, Scott Brown, Calvary, they've been there for the whole ride. Do you know what I mean? You know, are we too you, quick you to know judge? What? Do you know you know what, Paul? I, I, me personally, I, I do like really appreciate what, what what the club achieved, but at the same time, I think we spoke about it before, and I don't want to really dwell on it. But it was the way, the manner yes. in which we lost everything this season. It wasn't like you know we were just edged out towards the end of the league. Or, yeah, we know it was going to be close for this season, Barry. Didn't we? Yes. Well, we, like, thought we, it was going to be closer. we thought it was going to be a lot closer, but we, we did, yeah. nobody first, and we spoke about it before, but nobody foresaw what was going to happen this year, uh, the, how the, the wheels would fall off, you know, Celtic's bandwagon. We never saw it. So, so I think that's why, you know, you do get supporters that are, you know, sort of very angry and, and maybe sort of not not appreciate, and I don't want to say not appreciate, but maybe forget mm-hmm. too quick to forget about, you know, the actual quadruple treble achievement because of the way everything's unfurled this season but like I say in time and as every support of different but as time goes on I think we will actually appreciate it more because it's an incredible achievement and like Mark says I don't ever foresee that being uh, equaled in any, in any domestic league certainly in my lifetime and a lot of other people's lifetime it's an incredible achievement that we've done so I think it's maybe time that we, we sort of appreciate it what the players done and, and like I say we'll forget about this season and we'll move on that's to the quadruple treble see 25 years time there'll be a, a 25th anniversary big thing about us winning the quadruple treble that's, absolutely mm-hmm. that's yeah, the history that will carry weight going forward 
and there'll be BBC documentaries and everything like that. You know, th- this is something that will be remembered. And, uh, and you know, like I say, it, it really isn't easy to do what these players ha- have achieved. You know, to win every domestic competition for four years on the bounce, it, it's an incredible achievement. And like I say, it's just slightly been dampened by the way that this season has gone about and unfurled. But like I say, you know, as time goes on, we will appreciate and we will realise what an incredible achievement it was by these players in the club. Mm-hmm. Who would be your best player, Mark, that Celtic signed? Uh, and why that? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, obviously got to be Larson, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I think we... I think everybody's. Yeah, I, th- I don't think there are many Celtic fans would say anybody else really. Oh, we've all like we're favourite players, but when it comes down to value for money and what they've done, value for money and everything, wasn't it? Yeah, just a f- unbelievable deal what we got out of the player for the money we spent on them. You know, can we? Do you think a player would ever make an impact again at Celtic that 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 Larson made? I know we. We speak highly of Edward and Dembele, but they're not at the level as as Larson would be, Mark, are they? You know. I th- oh, I'm not. I'm no. This people will probably go a bit mental when I say this, but I th- you could maybe say, say like Scott Sinclair while he was there the first few seasons. Scott the short time, yes. Uh, maybe the same kind of impact in the team. It's like Larson had in the team. Do you know? He was a kind of. Talisman, he was who we looked to for that wee bit of something special and that. I'm not saying that Scott Sinclair's as good a player as Larson, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but he came in and he made an impact. I, I'm talking that's about the impact, yeah, exactly. impact he had on you. You know? Like that's, that, they're the kind, of, the kind of signings I think the Celtic fans have been looking for. Like Not these lone players that are going to come in and, and just sit in the bench, Barry. We want players like Sinclair that would come in and make a, an instant impact. Don't don't we in, into the into the team, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, we've spoken about it previously, and that's exactly the the, the market we need to be in. We, we shouldn't. I've said it before. We shouldn't be looking just to sign players that are going to be squad players. You know, that are players mm-hmm. that are going to come in, and you know, oh, he'll be okay if so and so's injured. He could come in and do a decent job to replace him. That that's not how you progress a football club. You progress a football club by going and, and, and signing players that are just as good, if not better, than the players that you've you've actually got in your team, and then they, they they'll be competing with the players that are there. And it's, it's like I've said it before, it's only healthy for the squad if you've got top top players that are competing for each position to keep each other on their toes. It raises each other's games to a different level. And like I say, for the past few seasons, we've been coming out of transfer windows. Arguably not any stronger than going into them. You know, Peter Lowell always said that the aim for Celtic Football Club is to come out of each transfer window stronger than when they went into it. And arguably, you could say that that's not been happening because we've been signing players that are, you know, unheard of, you know, projects, young talent that they're hoping are going to, you know, progress rather than expecting them to progress. It's a gamble. And like I say, we've said it before, we need to be going out and signing ready made players for the first team not players that are just going to come in as squad players or cover players. It needs to be top players that are going to be coming in and competing and ready-made to go straight into that first team. And I think that's what has to happen this summer, without a doubt. Uh, Terence Casey is saying Didier Gat for, for 50, 50k and Michael Conroy is saying 
uh, part of the can. You, you you really can't say anything bad about Didier Gas. I was you know, when when he. I wasn't a big Agat fan to be honest. No. No, just he could run fast. That was really all I ever. That was all it was really. I never really, never really liked Agat much as a player. I liked him as like kind of wee cult character. He wasn't that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I'd never thought he was that good a player to be honest. No. Luma Ratchik was not a player we signed for great value as well. That kind of came into the Celtic team late in his career. Didn't, like, like, how was he so late in getting a big move like Muratchik? You know, like the the type of player he was is like is beyond me. Like in this, you know. I thought somebody would have snapped him up before we ever we'd heard him. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. anybody had heard him. Do you get what I mean? No, unknown to anybody outside probably. The people that watch the games, that he, I can't even mind who it was he played for, but it was a masterstroke for Dr. Joe, right enough. I mean, that was, I think, one of his best signings, wasn't it? Dr. Joe, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. And then, well, Chief, can you go back? You just, I used to do this with my pals now. Every Celtic manager, no matter how bad they were, left us with some good players. I mean, John, mm-hmm. John Barnes and Kenny Douglas, they signed Petrov. Mm-hmm. I can mind when he made his debut and he was, ugh, it says his backside, man. I don't think he'd done any running for about three months, I thought, when he came on there that day. But look, well, look, at, look, at, the player look at the players now. That, that, that we have a, a new manager coming into now, Mark. Like, is there any player comfortably you could say that you wanted to keep in, in, in the Celtic team at the moment? Or would you be would you be bothered if we saw Danny it, practically every player. Would you be bothered like that if a bid came in for any player and we saw them the way this this Celtic team at the moment? I wouldn't really. I don't think anyone would really upset me too much. Mm-hmm. Because, well, I'd like to think that if it, if it was going to happen, that A, the player wanted to move on and B, the money would be, the majority of the money would be reinvested in a replacement for them. Would you be the same, Barry? Like, would you be Borrowed really if we saw any any of our players this season, you know. Um, you know what? There is players that I'd like to keep. I need to be honest. Yeah, there is players that I I I'd want to keep the likes of Stephen Welsh. I'd want to keep mm-hmm. uh, if we can keep him, and if he is happy to come, I'd want to keep Calvin McGregor. I'd want to keep um, David Turnbull. Cornhill. You know, I, I, there there is players within the squad that I would like to keep. Um, but at the same time, I understand, you know, I wouldn't be, like, I've said it before, you know, I'm a massive McGregor fan, but listen, I realise he's had a, a poor season just like everybody else. So I wouldn't be devastated if he left, you know, if he is wanting to move. But for me, if he is willing to stay and he wants to be part of, you know, the, the, the new regime going forward, yeah, I'd be happy to keep him. There is I still I, think, I, want... Mark, I, sorry, I still think, Barry, like, the reason McGregor's had a poor season is because he was covering for Scott Brown most of the time and he wasn't there to get forward that he was sitting back all the time to cover Scott Brown and when Zor was playing we saw Callum McGregor moving forward more when, when, when Zor was in the team you know would you think that was, like, that, that was a main factor in one of the main factors we said not the main factor but one of the main factors why he had such a poor season well, I, I think his game was affected. I, I don't know what it was. You know, I, I don't know like if, if there was something underlying or you know if it was down to the system they were playing. But we know Callum McGregor. We know his attributes. We know that he's great on the ball. He can pick passes. He can drive forward. Mm-hmm. He can score goals. And we didn't really see 
any of that at all. Um, we, we didn't see any of that at all last season. But, you know, I, I remember, uh, going off on a slight tangent, I remember a game, it was Celtic versus Hibs, um, and it, it started off with Scott Brown and Cal McGregor as the sort of sitting two, it was the old 4-2-3-1, and Brown went off really early injured with a calf injury. And what they did was they shifted Christie in beside uh, McGregor. And I, I can't remember Celtic playing a brand of football that they did that day since. They were absolutely sensational that day against Hibs. I think it finished 4-2 mm-hmm. uh, Celtic. But see, Brown, uh, sorry, McGregor and Christie, and that's, the two of them, they were unbelievable. They were so dynamic. They were getting on the ball, driving forward, breaking up uh, Hibs whenever they got possession. Uh, but like I say, we've just never seen that. We've never seen that for him um, for this season. But listen, we know he's a good player. We know he's got it in him. So like I say, if he's willing to stay and he's wanting to be part of you know the new manager's uh, regime and system going forward, I'd be all for it. I just I, I don't think you should rip up the whole copybook and start again. We know mm-hmm. that there's going to be multiple players leaving this season. We know that there's players that don't want to be there. There's players that have already gone back to their clubs who have been on loan and players who maybe just won't you know, have their contracts renewed, i.e. Griffiths, you know, we don't know his situation. So there's going to be a multitude of players leaving the club. There's going to be a multitude of players coming in. But, you know, I'd be reluctant to lose somebody of the, of the quality of McGregor and, and Turnbull. And like I say, Stephen Welsh, another one that I'd like to see coming in. Uh, uh, sorry, remaining uh, within the squad. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting summer, like we've said before. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of comings and goings. And we'll just have to see what happens. Hopefully, so looking at like some... Mark said earlier, we're going to get an announcement very, very soon. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at this Celtic team and there, there's been a few flops in in this team this season. Like, But, but Celtic had their fair few... Sh- uh, of shocking and, and flop signs over the last couple of years. We have Derek Begeta, excuse my pronunciation again, from Ajax for 3 million in 2018. Ifiares from Mexico, Pumas, 3 million in 2010. Uh, Ibori Kurozi, uh, 2.8 million from Krasenberg for 2014. Uh, Yori Yarosek uh, was 2 million from Chelsea in 2006. We had neither. Fifty from Dundee United for one point five million. We we can't forget uh, Dewey from. I think he only played one game. He only played one game. Was in the was in the cup match that defender, and he was gone after that. But against against Clyde. Clyde, yeah. Was it was it one game he played? I think was this. That's only one I can off the top of my head. It's only one I can remember him playing. It was one too many in the end, wasn't it? It was a game too many. Uh, that was the uh, time he played. He played against that game against Clyde, and he was never seen again in a Celtic jersey. Was it Strachan? That's that. What was it? What was the manager then? I think was it Strachan? Was this? Yeah, it was. It was, and that was Roy. That was Roy. Roy Keane's debut. Roy Keane's debut. Was this, Clyde, yeah. yeah. But I mean, there was talk as well. Like at the time, you know, Celtic. I can't remember if he was still there at the time, but they had Nakamura. You know, who, who was a, a right good player. You know, this is the other side of it. Time break. It was commercial. Ah, yeah, mind it. Yeah, it was commercial. And this was another one, wasn't it? Dewey was the Chinese version. He was this young, up and coming Chinese defender. 
and I think Celtic saw an opportunity, or Peter Loyal, or somebody saw an opportunity there. Listen, this this kid's going to be a star of the future, and if we can get ourselves in the Chinese market the way we have done the Japanese market, this could be a real money spinner. Well, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. That I, way, I, I, I would love to say, I would love to see what Roy King said to him after the match. I said, and that's probably. What Roy Keane said to him is we probably haven't seen him anymore because he ran after Roy Keane probably gave out to him, I said. <laughs> that was when Roy Keane really went on the bus in Hearts and was sitting eating a bag of Monster Munch, wasn't it? <laughs> he was, yeah, he's reading. That's right. Couldn't come to terms with it, so he couldn't, like, how professional Manchester United was, and then he'd come in, you know, John Hart had opened a pack of Monster Munch in the bus, like, I could just, I could just picture Keane face, well, she, couldn't she, she, that's a thing, though. You know, I, I know. You know, I know this is against ninety percent, ninety-five percent. But it's like, but when people think about Roy Keane, you know, Celtic manager, no, no. However, Roy Keane would bring a certain level of professional. Yeah, I'm not saying I want him to be the manager, but he wouldn't have stood for that. You know, that things oh. like that. He mentioned it in his book, like you say, Mark. You know, a player eating a packet of crisps. He just found that disgusting. That was the standards that he had. Players shouldn't shouldn't be doing that. They should be looking after their bodies. He had a certain standard, and that's what, you know, earlier in the season, I was sort of, when his name was getting mentioned, and et I was thinking to myself, you know, he wouldn't stand for this. He wouldn't stand for the... I'm going off on a tangent here, I know, guys, but he, he wouldn't even stand Even Wally Dyler wouldn't have stand for it, didn't stand for You know, when, when Wally Dyler no. came in, like, he, he didn't stand for the standards that Celtic were at that time. And then, like, he took over from Lee Lennon, like, so... We, we saw the standards drop again when Lee Lennon came in, like, so... It's obviously, like a more relaxed approach by Len rather than the, uh, the likes of Roy Keane and Ronnie Dyle when they, they saw Celtic, you know? And even Brendan Rodgers, you know? Like, you need to have a high standard within your club so everyone follows that and no one is slacking about, Barry, don't you? Yeah, I mean, but, but that's that's not something that's difficult to introduce, Paul. You know, no, you know, that, no. That's, for me, that, that's, that's a minimum standard. You should be the utmost professional. You're, you're professional footballers a professional club, one of you know the top club in Scotland, you know a highly regarded club in Europe. You need to have these standards there, and it's it's disappointing that those clearly weren't there under Neil Lennon. Like I say, I don't want to bash the guy, I don't want to slag him off too much, but I don't think there's any doubt that the standards dropped. The professional standards dropped when Neil Lennon took over. Brendan Rodgers set the bar, and the bar was high under Brendan Rodgers. But even I was bringing and, up like in, in, Barry in, in last podcast was like the, our sports science fellow is uh, Tim Williamson, and like he was dropped under Ronnie Dyler, he was dropped under Brendan Rodgers, and then Neil Lennon comes in and he brings him in from the club. Like other managers saw that this fellow wasn't up to the the sports science job. Do you know what I mean? And then Lennon then brings him back into the floor. Like so, there's another bad decision you could see behind the scenes. From family learning, you know. Yeah, you know what? There was, I think, there was a number of bad decisions, a number of poor <laughs> decisions, but and we've, we've paid the price for it. We've suffered the mm-hmm. consequences for it. So, you know, let's let's hope that the new manager comes in has a completely different sort of attitude and, and view on professional standards, and we can get back to the way we were previously under previous managers. So we have another one was um, Mark Anton Fortune. We had uh, Amido Balde and. Number one on top of the list that I looked at was Rafael Chiris. 4.5 million we paid for him. That was under John Barnes, as ever, didn't we? We brought him the Brazilian one. Aye, that was off. Oh. You know what? 
don't even know it. It's here, but is he the worst signing saw in 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 Celtic's history? The thing, by my own eyes, it was either Big Raphael Shite or Martin Hayes. Can it any do maybe no mind to him? We signed him for I think it was Arsenal for six hundred and fifty thousand pound, and then we found out that Arsenal were giving him a free transfer. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Terrible. Did, did you ever hear the story um, from um, Harry Redknapp when he when he signed this player from um, South America and he was he had great reports about this this player but the fella never played uh, a game of football in his life and I think he said he was with Portsmouth at the time and he went away and he signed him and it was all it was an agent trying to make money for himself and they did this big huge hype off him. Had them all on the local papers, presented to the fans. I can mind when Graham Sunnis was managing somebody down in England. He get conned into signing a player because he thought he was Georgie Weir's cousin. And the, <laughs> that right? <the> guy, <laughs> guy's not any David Georgie Weir, and I don't think he was a, even a professional football player. But <laughs> they signed him for somebody, aye. And they didn't kick a ball, and they, they came onto the pitch like Harry Renner was saying, like he took it. He substituted him after about 15 minutes because he said he knew that he couldn't kick a ball. You know, so imagine that like it, that. Know. You know? It's funny because when you sent the sort of memo through when it talked about um, you know, poor Celtic signings, it, it, possibly yourself as well, Mark, it took me back to the sort of early 90s era. And we, we, we were, I, you know, when we were bringing mm-hmm. boys in like Lee Martin and Wayne Biggins. <laughs> there's another Wayne Biggins and Carl Muggleton in the goal, and you know that, that took me back to then. But there, there, there's been a you know a number over the years. But I think the reason it took me back to that time was we had a team full of them. Unfortunately, we had more poor signings than we did good ones, you know. But uh, going on the, the Raphael, I remember again when you go on about conspiracies. I remember when we signed Raphael Shay, probably after the event. Uh, there was a rumor going about that the. the, the Brazil manager at the time was a guy called Vanderlei Luxemburgo, and there was a rumour going about that he was capping players. That's true. That was a hundred percent true. Well, it would certainly find that he was capping players to get the uh, transfer fees risen, and we were duped into it and went and signed this guy for five point five million or something. And he got a cut of that fee. 
helped with work permits, they say caps and things like that. That's a hundred. Yes, exactly. I think he yeah. went on quarter stuff like that, Barry. Yeah. What happened well, there with that? No, so the the Brazilian manager at the time was a guy called Vanderlei Luxemburgo, and as I was saying, the uh, the rumor was that or. Mark says it might have been proved true He was capping players in Brazil He was giving them caps But it was all a conspiracy He was capping them Which would get their transfer value Because this is a Brazilian international centre mm-hmm. half A Brazilian international fielder And they would get moved to Europe And this guy would get a cut of the transfer fee And the reason obviously as well Because they were getting capped It would enhance their chances of gaining a work permit Into the UK and into Europe So uh, yeah that that and we, we didn't know at the time But obviously after the event, Raphael Scheidt was one of these players that that was capped by Luxembourgo and we were duped into paying 5.5 million for him and this guy would have got a cut of that fee. You've got to blame Kenny Douglas for that. I mean, Kenny Douglas was there. He was basically the director of football. Mm-hmm. No, he should have known. He's, unless he he got a wee bung off it as well. <laughs> like it, it, it can... With all that was involved, it's one of the strangest transfers. It's up there with the boom song going to Newcastle transfer that there's just something totally murky all about it. It is a strange one, right? I never heard that now, to be honest. So that, that's, uh, that, that, that's a good one to see. Like, it's just a lot of money well, for an unknown player, like, isn't it? 4.5 well, million. Without a doubt, I think it was Gremio. I think that was his team in, in Brazil. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it would have been, I don't know, was it our record transfer at the time? I think it probably would have yes, been. Yes, it would have been. Yeah, that was before the uh, O'Neill uh, era when he bought Sutton and Hartson for six million. So that would have been a record signing. But like you say, Matt, you would have thought you would have done it. There's another bummer there signing. Uh, yeah, Bokovic was yeah, signed he, for 3.8. He was a bit five. Oh, was he? I thought he was a bit more. I thought, I thought he was over five. I thought it was about five yeah. three quarters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus, but he, he so, came with a bit of reputation. So he, he'd done it. He'd done decent for West Ham. And you kind of thought that's a decent signing, by the way. But obviously, like like, like what happens with a number of signings, do you remember the kick out that way? Do you remember the kick, uh, Hartson? Oh, John Hartson in, in the training yeah, session yeah. there, and that was all over YouTube at the time. Remember that? Jesus. And then Hartson came in and took his number, didn't he? Because Berkovich was still at the club when Hartson came to Celtic and. Hampton ended up taking Berkovic's number 10 shot. Jesus Christ. I said there was no love lost there between the two of them. I said when Hampton came in there. Yeah, Is there anyone else? Like this this, this list was from uh, previous players. Like, Is there anyone in the, in the last decade that you would classify as a flop for Celtic Mark that, that would, would go on to this list? Oh, I think we've had plenty of them, Paul. Guys, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Baldi was I I mean that Baldi that was to be seen at about the same time Bangura mm-hmm. you know what it always seems to be the strikers that's what I was thinking Mo Bangura and then you had guys like that was it Miku and Lasad who always mm-hmm. seem to get duff strikers they're brought in by Bro- Pavel Brocek Polish striker they brought in on loan it always seemed to be in the striking department that we really struggled uh, with, with our flop signings you know there's been a number of them and you know, unfortunately, you could probably put the likes of Kamala in that in, in that bracket as well. I know Paul, you said the guy's a good player, but it's not worked out for him at the club. But no, for some no, reason, exactly. it's always a striking, it's always a striking department. We seem to have a real struggle with. 
That Benu, I mean, that Benu that Rod just signed as well. Benu, the fans from Ipswich, yes. But is that due to the fact that Barry, like, that one looking at players maybe actually very too young to to come into Celtic? You know, do we have to change the way our scouting system looks at players, like, up up the age of, of, of these players we're signing? You know? Well, I, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a case of age, Paul, but it potentially goes back to what we spoke about a few minutes ago. That these guys were, you know, sort of projects, if you like. You know, these were young guys mm-hmm. that you know were playing in, in a, a lesser league that were performing at a certain level. But it doesn't always guarantee that they're going to be successful coming to Celtic or coming to Scotland. You know, I, I think it goes back to we maybe need to be looking at a market whereby. You know, the players are ready-made to come into the first team, like I've said before. But there's yeah. no doubt, I mean, we've spent fortunes, you know, with the players that yes, you've just wrapped up there. Yes, there's big money, like, yes. You know, whereas, you know, if you, for example, take Bangura, Amido Balde, and, and, and another one of your strikers, between that, you're probably looking at seven or eight million. Now, for me, that money would have been better invested, maybe bringing in one, you know, exactly. six, seven million. Now, I know you're not guaranteed, you know, but I think, you know, the higher a quality player you're looking at, the more likely they are to be a success. Whereas if you're but it's gone back to what happened two, this season, three. Barry, with Tony, in this? You know, we could have got Tony for maybe eight million and we went away and we signed the Yessi and Camilla for both well, nearly the same price. Well, well, you know? see, the thing is with Tony, so, so we, this is my understanding anyway, I might be proved mm-hmm. wrong here or something might be able to correct me, but my understanding was, a yes, a Jetty was coming in anyway, Celtic were signing a Jetty, Tony was going to be the potential ready-made replacement for Edward, so so it would have mm-hmm. been, we would have the both of them. You said that, Mark, yeah. That's what I think it is. Yeah, so that that's that was my understanding that Tony was going to be the ready-made replacement for. So I don't think it was a toss-up of you know we're not going to sign Tony, we're going to go with a Yeti instead. I think they were both on the books or, or, or in the the plans for the future. But for whatever reason, we decided that we weren't going to fork out the money for Tony. Um, now I, I seen a couple of posters on, on the forum yesterday, kind of giving him a bit of a hard time. I actually I watched the game yesterday. I actually thought he was good. I actually thought. He sh- I don't know if anybody saw the, the Brentford and Bournemouth game yesterday, but I was quite impressed with Tony. He looks like he's got a right good attitude. Uh, he scored a penalty, a good penalty, but I think he missed a couple of chances. But for me, he was lively. He was, you know, always moving in the box. Maybe something we've been missing from Eddie this year. But for me, it's, it's another one that's got away. And my opinion is that that guy will go for big money again, whether he gets Brentford into the Premier League or if he doesn't I'd imagine there'll be a, a good few Premier League teams sniffing about him bringing him in this yeah, summer but exactly. it's an- another one that's got away for, from our point of view Mark the biggest one like, and we spoke with, with Barry as well was the, the way we we signed it yes he like that we were supposed to come in law and first and then we signed in for 5.5 million you know that, that was the strangest uh, deal which was like a long time, wasn't this? You know, really strange. I don't. We've gone about the, the good things that Peter Lovell's done, and that. I've got to wonder why Peter Lovell changed his mind so quicker over that for a player that someone had to really, yeah, someone really had to turn him there for that because it's not something that Law is known known to do. Like he, he, he Law would like to get a player on Law and see what he's like, didn't he? That was the kind of way. Lord kind of looked at things, wasn't this? 
well, you know, the cheapest way usually we'll all win to and mm-hmm. was it was strange we spoke about in the last podcast the player he hardly played a game for West Ham and obviously oh I don't imagine Davey Moyes would slag his player a player he's trying to get the door off but obviously Neil I mean Neil Lennon came out and said he wanted him as a player but surely he knew the rumours about what his attitude was like etc then for Lowell go to change. I mean, it was in a matter of days that it went through that he was coming in loan to that we were buying him. It was, it was an, mm-hmm. an, odd, an odd one altogether for me, that. Speaking of, of, of David Moyes uh, getting West Ham into the Europa League this season, he's really taught his career wrong, hasn't he? David Moyes, considering since he left Manchester United, he kind of really dropped us. He's really have to make stake in his name again, hasn't he? David Moyes, Mark, hasn't he? I've said it before, I wouldn't have minded David Moyes as Celtic manager. <clears throat> and, well, David Moyes was expecting a phone call for Dermot. I've said it before. Dermot mm-hmm. was, he was waiting on a phone call for Dermot Desmond after the cup final, and they chose to appoint Neil Lennon. I just, and we, we wouldn't be sitting in the position where they knew if he'd appointed David Moyes that, that night. There's no doubt in my mind about that. No, I was just about to say I wholeheartedly agree. Like David Moyes at the time, he made it clear he was in the press, he was on Sky. He made it clear yes. that he was interested in the Celtic job, and I was absolutely hundred percent certain that he was going to be the new manager uh, after Lennon. Because I think, especially when there was kind of contact there as well before there was interest in David yeah. Moyes before as well, Barry wasn't there. The, the, the thing know? was as well, Paul. Though. When Neil Lennon came in and took over, and he kind of studied the ship, but at the same time, we stumbled our way to the title that year. Yes. You know, I, I think we beat Rangers 2-1 um, when James E. Forrest got the winner, and I think that took us 13 points clear of them. Which basically, however, the games that followed that, I think we drew 0-0 at home at Aberdeen, we drew 0-0 at home at Livingston. We started to... We were lucky, they crumbled again, I, really, Barry, weren't we? Exactly, mm-hmm. and then again in the final, you know, we're one nothing down to Hearts, and you know we get a penalty, and then uh, a bad bit of defending lets Edward in. So, so for me, it wasn't like Neil Lennon came in and he absolutely smashed it. You know, one every game, one convincingly. You know, he didn't do that. So for me, I thought, no, there's no way you'll get appointed. It will be Moyes, and I was quite excited at the thought of Moyes coming in because whilst I know a lot of fans aren't big Moyes fans, I think he's quite negative, he's quite defensive. That's okay. You know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I was quite, looking on the other side, you know, this is a guy that ma- managed Everton for a number of years, done, you know, had mm-hmm. a great deal of success there. Okay, it didn't work out at Man United, but at the same time, Sir Alex Ferguson cherry picked David Moyes. Sir Alex Ferguson. Well, a lot of, you know, a lot of players, have, a lot of ex players have manager. came out and said, sorry, but a lot of ex players have came out from Manchester, like sort of Rio Fora and, and Paul Scholes. They've said, like, he wasn't given the chance because he came into Manchester United at the wrong time and automatically he was compared to Alex Ferguson. Do you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was, big, you know? It was big shoes to fill, wasn't it? So unless mm-hmm. he had instant success, I mean, you know, exactly. Alex Ferguson, he was there for, I don't know, 20, 30 years, I can't remember, but, you know, he, unless he had instant, instant success, it was going to be a struggle, you know, and he never got given time. But for me, like I say, just because... It didn't doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad manager. You know, I think some mm-hmm. supporters and, and, and critics are, are quite quick to criticise and say they're, they're no good enough. Look at some of the managers. The big teams in England have chewed up and spat out. Mourinho at Man United, Van Hal at Man United. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that? 
uh, Emery, the guy that Arsenal brought in the yeah. name Shotty. It's just what we spoke about it before. What Eddie Howe's choice is is he wants to play musical chairs in the Premiership for team a team for the next eight ten years, or does he want to come to a club where he's going to be challenging, winning trophies, playing in Europe, etc. And but the English mm-hmm. thing is it's what we speak about before. It's just and David Moyes has proven that if do the right job and the right backing, you can make these so-called weird teams challenge for push into the top six and that down there. David Moyes is a great manager. I don't care what anybody says. You're going about his style of football and that, but he gets results. That's the first and foremost thing that we need. Yeah. Going to get results. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree, man. I'm a big David Moyes fan. Uh, and I think he's done a fantastic job. You know, West Ham was floating around relegation, just above the relegation this time last year. And 12 months down the line, they're now in the Europa League. And, you know, they were ever so slightly unfortunate to not possibly be in the Champions League. They just kind of fell away the last sort of three or four results. Um, but they were up there challenging for a Champions League spot. And from considering last where 12 months ago West to Ham fans were in the Sorry, considering like it wasn't so long ago we had West Ham supporters in the stadium showing stuff at the, the chairman. Remember that? The, not so long ago. They were inside the stadium. They started hauling stuff at the, the chairman's uh, uh, box, uh, box and everything. So he has steadied the ship there. And as Mark said, like that, he's experienced and everything. Like you know. So we're moving on. Like we're going from Christmas that we were talking about managers. There we're going on to Celtic's most managers in history. And I have Liam Brady, John Harrison, Tony Morby, and Lou McCarry. Would they be the biggest flops? You think in Celtic managers, Mark? Who was the second one? Uh, John Barnes. Oh, I thought you said John Hartson. Uh, I, I don't. Th- Liam Celtic played decent enough football under Liam Brady. Mhm. So I mean, it was just again when we're talking about the rubbish signings we've made. We thought back to the kind of times the Liam Brady, Lou McCarry times and that. The worst ever manager. Would Tony Mobby fall into that? No, I wouldn't put him in it either. Just, I don't think he was here long enough to say that he'd be, be there like one of the worst. I'd go for Lou McCarry, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Barry? That that would be mine. Lou McCarry would be mine. I, I think as well, you know, it was a time where, as a club, we were struggling. You know, we were in a bad spot back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens, it went hand in hand with you know, Rangers dominating and Rangers spending power and everything like that. And, you know, we touched on it earlier that the signings that we were making uh, back then were, you know, bang average poor players from from England and, and you know, some from, from Scottish League as well, whereas Rangers were going and getting some sort of top players from the English English leagues and, you know, internationalists. So I think that went hand in hand. And as a result, you know, it was a bad time for Celtic and, so, so for me, it would probably be Lou McCarry that, that I would pick uh, as you know our biggest flop as a manager. Just, just because I th- we were finishing mid table sometimes, you know, I think sometimes we were fourth and fifth in the league, you know, mm-hmm. behind your Aberdeens, your Hibs, your Hearts. So it was it was a it was a bad time. It was a bad time for Celtic back in the early nineties, uh, you know, and it, it culminated in you know, like I say, finishing way down the leagues, not even putting in any kind of challenge to to sort of. Well, not only Rangers, but the two or three teams that were above us at the time as well. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't disagree with that. I think if, if I was to pick one of our biggest flops as a manager, I would have to go for Macari. 
It's controversial. Would you think some Celtic supporters, Mark, will throw Neil Lennon into that list considering how bad we were this season? No. No, I don't think that. I don't think that would be fair on Neil Lennon. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know that, but I wouldn't put Neil Lennon in, <clears throat> excuse me, anywhere near a Celtic's first manager. No. I mean, the, the guy's won, was it five or six titles he's won? You can't yeah. put him as a first manager. He's, as a manager, he's won five, or, I can't remember if it's five or six. Anyway, he's won those Premier League titles. You know, he's, he's managed us in Champions League victories. He's got us to, you know, the, the latter, not the latter, the knockout stages. But there are some fans out there, Mark, that, that would do it, like, wouldn't there? There will be the new. Get a year or 18 months and Neil Lennon will be... They will be getting misty-eyed when Celtic Twitter put out his birthday and that. They'll be, exactly. They'll be forgot about. And so, I think as well, rightly so, it should be forgot about. You can't hold it against one man. And yes. If it is going to be the one man, I keep saying it, it should be Peter Lowell, because it was him that appointed Lennon. Because Lennon didn't get into this season saying, I'm going to mess this up. We know that. We know no. Lennon would be hurting as much as any is. So, and he's he, not him and off anymore. He's came and went. He tried his best, and he's, uh, mm-hmm. wasn't he good enough? Yeah. I, I've, I've said that before on a previous podcast as well. I mean, Neil Lennon's gone through a hell of a lot for this football club. You know, the, the, some of the stuff that he's had to put up with is nothing short of disgusting and disgraceful. Yet he never once thought about walking away. He, he wanted to continue. So I think as well, a lot of the fans, maybe the younger generation of fans, they'll maybe not remember your. Your exactly. early nineties, your Lou Macarys, and that. So, so they, they'll be comparing it to, to the, you know, the successful managers. And yeah, no, I, I certainly wouldn't put Neil Lennon any. Actually, you know what? I'd go as far to say as he'd be at the opposite end. You know, Neil Lennon would be up there with what, some of our most successful managers. You know, if you look at what, you know. I keep going on about having the statues up or the up the Celtic way, and that Barry, who it should be, the new and who it should be as the years go by, and seeing fifty years time in that. There should be a statue of Neil Lennon outside Celtic Park, along with like Scott Brown. Do you know what I mean? That's done as a player, the manager. Uh, Definitely, will be kinder to Lennon than exactly. And you you know what? There'll be fewer. There'll not be as many uh, players, you know, in the future that have won as many titles uh, and trophies. You know, I know Scott Brown's won twenty two. Uh, titles as a Celtic player, you know. Uh, but Neil Lennon as a Celtic player and manager, I'm sure it's ten titles. I think he won five as a player, five as a manager. Mm-hmm. So there's not going to be many, you know, players and managers that has been successful as Neil Lennon. And like I say, rightly so, he'll be regarded as a legend. We just need to forget about what's happened this season. Think, one one bad season doesn't make a legacy. Do you think, Mark, um, by what I was saying, like the things that Neil Lennon had to put up in in Scottish football between rival fans and abuse he got and stuff like that. Do you think that will happen to the next manager, Eddie Hall, coming? And how would he re- re- react to it? Or would it be different because he'd be a, a British manager coming in? I don't, you know? I, I don't think it, I don't think any manager coming in would face the kind of stuff that Lennon did o- over the years. Mm-hmm. As I've said before, and that was one of the things I said that I wasn't too sure about with Eddie Howe, it's coming to Glasgow, managing Celtic, Half the country hates you. Half the country loves you. It's just I, I've said that before about how I don't know how he would react to that kind of living in the goldfish bowl of Glasgow and the, the intensity. Oh, 
I don't think he'll be getting that kind of abuse in the street and getting attacked to the side of parks and things sent through the post, that kind of level of hatred, but he'll come across a level of hatred that he's never experienced before. I mean, I don't even know who's born his biggest rival. Portsmouth or something like that. It'll be... It's not exactly... Sorry, I just got a, a screenshot there from uh, Michael, who's who's playing FIFA, and he has Dundee team up from, from your time. And you're actually on the FIFA Dundee team on his computer, Barry, oh, Barry that, Forbes. That was a right good team, that. What the... Can yeah. tell, tell Mikey to start me. The manager never used to do that very often, so tell me you give me a start. <laughs> there were some good players in that team, wasn't there? Just looking at it there now, you know, there's... Oh, yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, I mean, that, that was Dundee's most successful team in the last 50 years, you know? I, I was lucky enough to be part of the, the squad that got to the Scottish Cup final back in 2003. And Dundee, you know, they've not been there since, and... The way they're going, you know, I wish them all the best, but the, the way they're going just now, I'd love to see them back up, you know, get a victory against Kilmarnock, but I don't know if they'll be sort of competing in cup finals again. But yeah, it was it was a right good, a right good team back then. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on and we're going to look, they're doing well, so we decided to talk about tonight is the, the Celtic women's team and they beat Rangers today 2-0. Uh, they're pushing for the Champions League spot and they're pushing for the championship. And you, you have to say... Well done to the fan Alonso and the girls, Mark, don't you, for their, their success in the Women's League so far this season? Uh, aye. I know you're not a big fan of the women's <laughs> football, but it's about the only team we have good to cheer about this season. Good to start. Fair play to them. If they've won the league, you can't have, they've done what they've set out today. They've done better than the men's team has. So. Aye, well done to them. But, so... The reason I brought it up is because I want to talk about Van Lanzo. Now, a lot of people won't, might know this, but looking at his coaching career, he's, he's coached some top-level clubs with top-level managers. He worked as Everton's assistant first-team coach under Ronald Koeman. He was uh, Lucy Partina's technical coach at Southampton. And he's big into tactics. He's big into the style of play that Celtic have. In the future, he recently spoke to Dominic McCoy, he said, about uh, the progress of the women's team and the future for the team. And Dominic McCoy also spoken about the potential progress of the men's first-team football. Considering that the managers he worked with and stuff like that, no, I'm not saying manager, but could you see him maybe stepping up to the first team in years to come, Mark, the way he has been, been progressing here? Because he, he, he's worked with some good coaches. What about somebody like, what about him taking over for like G- Gavin Stratton? Mm-hmm. Kind of, I mean, that's, a that's good, the role, that, that's the role he had as for, from Mr. Pasacino. That's the role he had. He was his excellent. That's a good CV he's got there, Paul. I didn't know that, to be honest with you. But, mm-hmm. what, what he's doing, is, it's, it doesn't matter if it's, it doesn't matter if it's women's football, kids' football, men's football, what he's doing just part, covers football in general, so I don't see how he couldn't make a step up. He said, like, uh, team. when when Lauren approached him that he couldn't say no to Celtic and it would be his dream job to, like everyone says, it's their dream job, but it was a step for him to, to step away from being the assistant and being the, 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 the technical director to being his own man and to managing the team. Like That's basically what he wants to do, and, and this is his way of stepping up into... Management of a team like like, but like he's he's worked with some great coaches, Coolman and 
Pochettino and and they regard him highly. Uh, the, these two lads, you know, Koeman and Pochettino. I've been dreading this subject. I really have, um, because I just I just can't take to women's football. I'm really sorry. I hope that doesn't. Bye. I hope. Weird. I hope it doesn't. No, but, uh, but I'm, 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 I'm stepping away from the football. You know, I, I'm stepping away from the, the women's football. Well, you, you know something, Paul. I, I, I watched. I watched the. I watched the game today, mm-hmm. and it was. Shall it one two one? Okay, mm-hmm. and they could not string two passes together. I, 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 I don't know if any of the posters watched it. Please feel free to comment on it, guys. I watched 90 minutes because this is me doing my homework for this podcast. I thought, I better watch the game if we're going to be speaking about that. And I have no idea how Celtic managed to win it. It was like the Cup Final. It was like the League Cup Final of the men's of two seasons ago when Rangers just absolutely battered with and we've somehow managed to score two goals and win the game. Credit to them. Fair play, but... I watched them against Glasgow City about a month ago. They don't they can't pass the ball. They literally cannot string three, four passes together. And I watched some of the... I'm sorry if this is kind of going off here. I watched some of the, the English ladies as well. And they're no much better. You know, I just can't take that. So, so to, to put Fran Alonso, you know, to, to talk about him in the... The, the, the men's side of it I, I don't want to see it I'm sorry sorry Fran I uh, hope if you listen to the podcast it's not for me uh, if you want to go and sort of cut your teeth in, in men's football and uh, you know manage a team there and you know produce something there but for me I know you're not even allowed to say that these days but I, I need to be honest I need to give my opinion and my opinion is female football yeah mate no I think I totally agree with you I can't take to women's football at all but See, if he hadn't been manager of a women's team and then look at his CV, who he's worked mm-hmm. under, would you still say the same, that he wasn't good enough to be part of the backroom staff? Oh, backroom staff may be different. I, I, I'm not, you know, I certainly, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't put him... I'm not talking about him getting a manager's job or anything like that. I'm saying, see, like, maybe what Gavin mm-hmm. Stratton's doing. And then Paul says that's what he yeah. did So maybe that... Mm-hmm. Well, no, if that's the case... Again, we've kind of spoke about it before. For example, if Eddie Howe wanted to go and get Fran Alonso in based on what he's done under Koeman, I'd have no problem with that. I just thought, I, I, I'd, want, I'd want Eddie Howe to, to pick his backroom staff. I just said I brought it up because he said he had a meet with Dominic McKay They talked about the, the future of women's football and he said they also talked about the future plans for the first team. You know, and I just found that a bit strange that why would... Uh, the women's coach be talking about the men's first team to the chairman. You know, did they have? Do they have some plan for him to, to step into the maybe to manage the under 16s or the under 18 teams or the core teams? Or do, do Celtic have a plan for him that way? You know, um, I would find it strange if he was, um, you know, talking about the actual male first team as opposed to the female first team. I don't really understand why Fran Alonso would have any sort of input yes. in that. Um, because you know it's it's completely different entities. You know the male team and the female team are completely different. I can't understand. You know, Fran Alonso will not have any. On you go, Barry. No, no, I'm just, I'll let you go, Mark. It was just a way to say it. You know, I can't you, because they're completely different. If he's met Dominic McKay to speak about the future of the women's team itself, that's Dominic McKay doing his job. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so even if he's talking to a guy about the women's side. But he's talking to a football player, so why not just ask him his opinion on the, what the men's team or what this or that is? 
don't know if mm-hmm. it's just a conversation between two men that are going to be working close to maybe, maybe San Lanzo thought he was coming in taking the, the men's job and he, when he first took over said they considered how big this woman team is at Celtic <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, the, 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 women, <laughs> the women have got a couple of decent centre-halves, I'll tell you that right now. Watching that game today, the centre-halves were decent. <laughs> okay, I mean, take a couple of tips from, the, from Fran Alonso on how to defend set pieces. Before we lose subscribers there, I'm going to move on from that subject. Oh, I know, we, yeah. We Come won't on. bring up that topic anymore. <laughs> So, in, in the last week, it's been reported that Aston Villa have made a bid for David Turner in the region of £7 million. Is it too soon for Celtic, you think, Barry, to, to accept this offer? Um, and is he key to next season's rebuild, David Turner? Oh, without a doubt. You know, I, I wouldn't be looking at sell Turnbull whatsoever. I, I said earlier that, you know, he'd be one of the, the players that I'd want to keep and certainly build my team around. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's had a good season in what's been a very poor Celtic side. And he hasn't so even played can... a full season either? No, he, he's not. He came in sort of two or three months into the season. Um, and, you know, if we can bring in players in around him that are going to sort of, you know, take the load off of him, because he had to carry the team for a large part mm-hmm. of the season. You know, so, so no, I mean... I've seen some of the guys on the, the, the posts yesterday, the forums, and, you know, talking about, you know, seven million, how it's, you know, the, the cheap. And I can't understand it, but at the same time, you know, it's also, you know, doubling the investment that, that we put into, you know, at the start of this season. You know, we bought them for three, three and a half million. And mm-hmm. we've got uh, teams that are, are looking at seven. Now, I'm not suggesting we sell them for seven at all. I wouldn't want to do that. I don't want to sell them for any money at this moment in time like I say this is a player that we should be building our team around but at the same time I don't think 7 million is is maybe miserly as what maybe other people think it is I think it just shows it just shows like how 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 good of a player he can actually come if he stays us for another two 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 three seasons doesn't it Barry what he can yeah I mean without a doubt like I say what we need to do is we need to get good players in and around him because if Mm -hmm. we've got players that can help him out and, and you know, like I say, that the last season, um, you know, we didn't really have any players that were performing. It was only really your sort of sorrow and Turnbull, mm-hmm. and maybe Stephen Welsh as well. They were probably only the three that you would say, you know, what they're putting in some decent performances. So if if he's managed to pull out these performances when all and around them haven't been doing much, you know, if we can get a team together that are going to be producing week in week out, David Turnbull is going to be a key part of that for me, and I wouldn't be. And even shows as well for any getting caught up to the Scottish European Championships, how, is that, how, how other managers race him as a player, you know? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know what, congratulations to him. I mean, I think he deserves that call-up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he really does it. And you know what, he can potentially, you know, go, go into the Euros this year. And, you know, hopefully he does get some game time because he is a cracking player, David Turnbull. Talking about the Euros, Barry, would you think it would have benefit maybe James Forrest? Like, I know it's, it's everyone's dream and, and, and Scotland don't qualify for many big terms. I hope you don't mind me saying that. But would you be forward for him to miss out on this considering he's been out for the whole of of this season, James Forrest? Um, no, no, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really make a difference for me. You know, he's not played much game time. So, you know, to get him some some international games at a major tournament 
I think it could potentially be a good thing. I wouldn't be overly keen on him missing out. Mm-hmm. Mark, your your but, thoughts on the t- tunnel, sorry? Well, I, to what we were saying earlier on, when you asked if there's any, I'd be upset, or, uh, upset about anybody leaving. I thought you meant somebody, like, uh, somebody would really have been, oh, I wish when they sold him or that. I didn't when I say... I think Tarn who would fall into that, wouldn't he? No, that's what I was going to say. I, yeah. I, I was just players that I... I was the absolute... No, there's no any of them, and I stick by that. There's no any of them that I would really, really be upset with leaving. I mean, I want them to stay. I want Turnbull to stay. I want. I even want Iron that to stay. And Turnbull is one of the players we should be building the team around about. So, I def, I, seven million, but it's, it's a decent profit for a guy that's done okay for us so far. But... and. Again, what's he want to do? What if Turnbull's looking to move on? Yeah, that's to think. That's to think. Like maybe if we convinced him to stay, Mark, would that maybe turn his head like the one the ways this season? You know that we rejected a bit. Like we don't know if this bid was actually being made. Like, but if it was and said rejected, do you think that would turn his head like the like the players this season, like the Christie and stuff? No, I don't think so. And, uh, you know what? I, I don't. They're turning their head stuff. See, that's really weird when you think about it because it's just certain players just seem to have that kind of attitude whereas other players, mm-hmm. if you don't, they, if you've not got an agreement with your club to sell you, they don't need to sell you. We know the kind of moves that goes on behind the scenes and how they make promises, etc. and that. So unless, so if if, even if this is only in the paper, if Turnbull wants to leave Celtic, he'll could have, him or his agent can just go and say, mm-hmm. I want we're looking for a move. We don't know if this is true, but if Aston Villa or whoever it is are willing to buy us and you can agree a price, we we want it. But apart, unless... You know, I, I, I just really ignore the kind of stuff like that about turning their heads and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just the same as us. It's only stuff in papers. Mm-hmm. Turn, turn I don't know. Aston Villa are in them. That's, you know, I mean, whether it's paper yeah. or not, he'll know for definite whether it's true or not. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if you, you saw the the, the documentary uh, that Turnbull did uh, when he was at Motherwell about you know the failed move to Celtic and his injury and that, but he seems like a, a proper level-headed guy. I really, he was deeply upset that that move broke down, Barry. he was deeply upset that that move broke down. At the same time, Paul, he never at any point pushed for it. You know, he mm-hmm. never at any he just he just let the I think it was Norwich and Celtic at the time. You know, he just sort of sat back and he, he wasn't like, this is where I want to go. Or he wasn't at the chairman's door saying, I'm wanting this move to Celtic pushed through. I'm wanting to accept this bid. He just sort of sat back and let nature take its course. And, you know, even when he's injured, I think they gave him another contact. So he signed another contract. He didn't think to himself, well, you know what? If, even though I'm going to be injured for a year, that's another year of my contract run down. Therefore, you know, I'm, I'm closer to leaving. So I, I don't think, you know, he'll have his head turned. I think you'll realise, you know, He's he's a young player, uh, a, a really big club. Uh, he's going to have years of development yet, and you know what? If he keeps progressing, he'll get his move if that's what he wants. But I, I don't think at this stage he'll have his head turned, or you know he'll be trying to force a move out the door. I, mm-hmm. I don't think he's like that. I don't think that's his character. I think he'll realise that you know, like I say, he's a young player that's kind of just broken into the first team. He'll want to establish himself. And get a right few, uh, a right good few games under his belt, a couple of seasons or whatever, and, and like I say, progressing each year, each season, uh, and getting the international fold become a regular, regular, sorry, regular in there, 
And then, like I say, further down the line, if he keeps on going the way he's going, he, he will get a big move. But now, yeah. now's not the time, in my opinion. Especially when, when, when there's no manager in place. Like you can't see the Celtic board making these decisions when the the new manager hasn't even spoke to Tom and see how he feels or does he? Do you know? You, you you can't see Celtic accepting this offer, Mark, without a manager. So you couldn't, you know. No, I don't even I don't even think you would get to to a manager's decision if it mm-hmm. would, But I don't think seven million pound would. As, as I said, as, as Barry said, it's a fair price for double your mm-hmm. player. But as an opening bid, it would be okay. But I don't, I think even if I think it would need to take a bit more than that. You're talking maybe. Ten million mark for Celtic. Mm-hmm. Approach Turnbull and say, "Look, we've got serious interest for doing south or whatever." Mm-hmm. I think it's just paper talk, Paul. I wouldn't really, really mm-hmm. much attention. Oh yeah, that's what that's that's why I brought it up. Yeah, talk yeah. about it obviously, but yeah. I don't I don't really pay much attention to it. It's like that's so, but probably you're going to go on about next. It's like that story we in Cham's contract. But I looked in. I looked into that. All right, and just. There's two players that came up in 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 in, in something like in Cham's contract was was Johnny Hayes and Joseph Smithwich, right? When they signed their last contract, there there was there was some clause put in that Celtic could terminate the contract in the last year, all right? Like they did with Smithwich and Johnny Hayes last season, that if they they weren't happy with their appearances or their, their age fell into it or if their injuries fell into it, and so Celtic had the choice to terminate the contract and not having to pay out the player. And this same clause, supposedly, McCoy uh, has noticed that this clause was put into Encham's contract. And that this is the, the story going on, that he activated this clause and that he wanted Encham off the, off the wage book for, for new arrivals. Like, like I saw nothing on the Celtic board about the, the websites about and champs things like it's all paper talk at the moment. But is this clause thing true, Mark? Do you think between Richard and his and and then Cham? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. It's... But you know what? I, I don't understand. Why would you? Why would you terminate a player's contract? Why not just sell him? You're not telling me you kind of get a few million for in Cham. I know he's not mm-hmm. had a good season. Exactly. You know, you're, you're... A, million, a million pound, even a million pound, get nothing, Barry. Mm-hmm. Oh, was, was, it, was it how long ago was it that was it Porto was it 13 million that offered for yes. was it maybe about 18 months ago 12, yes. 13 was months. it as much as that uh-huh, yeah. and that, that was that was only 18 months ago and we rejected it because listen we're knowing Cham he, he's, he's not delivered for Celtic for the last sort of year or, or eight, how long it would be he's still a good player it's not mm-hmm. working for him at Marseille but on his day if he turns up or he's in the right environment He's a right good player. So for me, I, I don't buy in it at all that we're looking to terminate the boy's contract. I, 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 I appreciate he doesn't have a future at the club, but go and sell him. I, I think he could still get five, six, maybe even seven million for the boy. But some, somebody might pay that. Even Porto, if they've still got tags on him, thinking, well, we offer 13 million. Let's, let's take a chance. Let's go and pay seven. I, I just don't. I don't buy it. I, I think. I think. I don't think you'll be selling this season. I think he will be sold, but I just can't for the life of me understand why it makes any sense whatsoever to terminate a guy's contract. That's it. Like it doesn't make any sense. But like they terminated Johnny Hayes and Joseph Smeenwich contract last season. Like so, 
I'm asking, like, is there such see, see that we have... Say, see how you say terminate the contract, uh, Paul? Mm-hmm. I know the way Celtic operate, and it's the same with Griffiths. Mm-hmm. The, the, the do deal, and Mark, you've spoke about it before, the do deals whereby it's a four-year contract, but and then they have the last year is up, up to the club. Then, yes, yes. Yeah. So for me, Hazen and Simunovic, that was the same as them. They had a deal, but the last deal was an option, and Celtic decided not to take it's that the option. Way, yeah. that, it's for the way the media are. Yeah, that, that, that's not a contract. No, that's no, just no. the club deciding, actually, you know what, we're not taking up the option to. To grant the last year of the contract that we spoke about, so we're not going to take up that option, so you're free to go. If, mm-hmm. in char- if that's in charms and in charms contract, fair enough. But they done it with Scott Sinclair, didn't they? They basically renewed his contract, and rather than sell him, they, they kind mm-hmm. of just they didn't play him. So for me, I don't know. I think uh, I certainly don't think they'll be terminate his contract. I think they'll be looking to move him on in the summer if they can because, get a buyer for him. Because Barry, like, if you go to Tom Lidstrom's contract, like. There, there's going to be legal issues there and everything like in there for Tom made a contract like like it's very hard to Tom made a contract no even in any job well, I mean, in a footballer obviously yeah be, I mean it'll be a mutual if it was terminated it would be like a mutual agreement deal mm-hmm. so, yeah I think the word terminate uh, it's not as if he's getting sacked so yeah that, that's Celtic, that's what you associate if Celtic have agreed to move it free basically free him give him a free transfer They'll have had to pay him X amount of money. Mm-hmm. No, a case you've got. You see that kid, what you're saying about for performances on the up to scratching that. No agent in the world would agree any. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. That should come down to somebody's personal opinion. It's like us arguing, you know, oh, he's a great player for us, he does his job well. And Barry saying, no, I don't like him, he's rubbish, he shouldn't have been the team. But that comes down to so I don't believe that for a second. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't see. Any agent putting a termination clause into anyone's contract, like you know what I mean? If they are, I'll get rid of my agent straight away. You know? Oh well, contracts. Yeah, no. Contracts will have termination clauses and things like that in them for even breaches of discipline and things like that. But they'll be covered by the UEFA regulations. Mhm. The way mm-hmm. like Barry's saying the way it's been worded, terminated as if Celtic have sacked them, just said right, beat it. You know. Mm-hmm. If he's been freed, and I don't believe he has, it will only be a contract terminated. It'll be a mutual agreement. Or it'll be done that there was a year's option that we never knew about and Celtic's no took it up. It'd be something like that. But the stuff of his contract being terminated... Uh, exactly. Like it's the way the media kind of always kind of twists a negative story onto something, Barry, isn't this? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and you know, I don't really understand their angle at, at this one. But because, it, you know... Who does that benefit? You know, like I say, if, if there was a, a year's option left at Celtic decided, you know what, we're not going to take it up. You know, they could potentially come to agreement whereby they say, you know what, to, and, and Chan, we'll not renew this, but, you know, you, you, we're not going to pay you any money because we're going to let you go for nothing. You know, they, they could come to agreement there, but I, I, I just don't believe that. I saw the story breaking yesterday and mm-hmm. I didn't even give it much much time, to be honest, Paul. I just but thought to myself, that's just a lot of nonsense. As I said in the forum, see where it came from, the site that I read, mm-hmm. see the story came from, it's just a clickbait hooring site and then it gets carried on to all these other places. And see the mere these stupid clickbait sites get like, steamrolled on Twitter, the mere people believe it. 
It's all to get views and subscribes and stuff like that, ain't it? Yeah. Quick story. But the mere places that carry the story, the mere traction of the story gets and people start believing it. Instead of looking that the stories actually came from one one source that's no trustworthy. What is left in the enchant contract? Is it two years? Is it, is it one year? Two years, I think, isn't this? I think, it, I think it's two years. Two years, like, so, like, it was when I, when I looked up the other day when I read yeah, the story. Two, two years. Like, you couldn't Well, you know something that, that makes you, it makes even less sense then. Yeah. Because why, why, why would you, why would you, again, use the phrase terminate somebody's contract that's got two years left when you're in a, you're in a secure place that you can get a fee for it. It's not like in six months' time. He, it's a year, a year, year. Yeah. 2022. That's a well, they, they go. So Celtic will be looking to move him on this summer. There's no doubt about it. But would, would you think a new manager might convince him to stay or would you think he has his That's what chance? Say, Paul, two, yeah. two weeks ago the stories on the internet was the, the new manager that nobody knows who is. Yes, that's the slim I broke, yes. Yes. And then two weeks. Two weeks later, they've just ripped up his contract and said, Serial. I, I remember I brought that story in the, the transfer rumours that I said, and Chan could still have a future under new Celtic managers. Everyone has a clean slate. That's what I'm saying. Like, the new manager still has to come into Celtic. And I can't see no one leave the club, bar or, or loan players at the moment, without a new manager in place to actually sit but down and know, talk to these players, Barry. Do you know? But you, you know what, Paul? I don't think Chan wants to be there. I don't. I really don't. I don't think it matters who the manager is. I, I spoke on a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. I actually started to have question marks about his attitude when Brendan yes. Rodgers was in charge. I remember certain games that he just didn't want to Because he wanted to leave long then as well, Barry, didn't he? When Brendan Rodgers was there, well, he wanted I, I, to leave as well. You, you know something? I, I can't remember it ever being sort of publicised that he wanted to leave at that time. But I'm just speaking from a personal point of view. I remember watching him in certain games. I remember one particular one, I think I mentioned it previously. We played the midweek game in the winter at Fir Park and he was playing and he just, he was not interested yes. at all. Uh, and, and that made me think this, I don't know, you know, for as good a player as he is. A bit like Rogic. He's not getting that kind of laid back look about him constantly mm-hmm. at the park. Although it's as if he's never really looked that kind of interested in Dana. Yeah. A decent shift on the park. Like, is that something that's French culture, do you think? Or is it just these attitude playing out? Sorry, what, Paul? I don't know. I said, is that down to the French culture of the, of French players, just this laid back attitude, or, or is, it, is it just in champs attitude altogether that he's 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 performing not consistently for Celtic? The French players that do that have got mm-hmm. the other side of the coin. They've got the skill to play that kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not that tight do you get what I mean he's not like your outstanding player that he's going to give you so many wow moments kind of thing so no I don't I think it's down to him it's back to the same as Rogic if he applied himself better he'd be a much much better player like it's not like as, as Barry said like it's not like Celtic to let a player go knowing that they could get money off him still and I'm sure there's there's teams still like Southampton I said they're probably still interested in in a player like Encham. Well, you, you know, can you tell me if Celtic let knowing that Encham is available for two million pound, there isn't the clubs that would snap the hand off them for it. Mhm. And and even at two million, it's a bargain for any club, really. That came in. I'm saying two million. Mm-hmm. A mo- even a million and a half is better than getting nothing. 
That's why the story doesn't make any sense. And you're getting him off the wage bill as well, because you'll be on a decent wage. You're getting, so you're getting a transfer fee for him, plus you're getting him off the wage bill. So, yeah. He's on about 18 grand, I think. Something like that, he's on. Like, he's, he's on a... go. There's, there's 18 grand that could be, could be in somebody else's pocket, somebody that wants to come and play for the club. And especially, like, Mark, when... We we need all our funds for for this this big huge rebuild. Like I I I couldn't see Celtic letting them go for nothing. Like you know what I mean? You know? No, that's just every penny's going to go into the melting pot, Paul. Mhm. You're better getting something than nothing. Whether it is that even only a million and a half or two million pounds. So Rob McNair says they're taken from the Celtic website. Celtic are delighted that and Cham has signed a new this is going back like that he signed a new contract twenty two like so he's a year up like so like well I've put this on the forum before. See if you go back if you Google it and you go back onto the Celtic website, it's a, it does the same thing with Scott Sinclair. So do you think yeah, do you think that you think maybe that's it? The year. Maybe this see now that Rab's put that up, maybe this is another one of them. Because I've put links up on yeah. my forum about it, about the Scott Sinclair thing, how they said it was a four-year deal or whatever it was he signed, and then this he signed, and then the next time when it came to the crunch, it was a year's option thing. So yeah, do you, do you think maybe that's this? I don't know. It seems to yeah. be a habit Celtic have got there now. Well, see, see, if that was, optional, see if that was the case, Mark. I, I, I would think, right, and I might be wrong, but I would think that if that was the case, and it's a four-year deal, but only three of it's fixed, and the last year's an option, I would think from a business point of view, what selling would do is they'd say, right, we're taking that option up, but we're going to sell you. We're going to sell mm-hmm. you in the summer. Kind of. You know, we thought that was going to happen with Sinclair, really, didn't we? Sinclair, but he, and he ended up he ended up just no playing. But the difference was with Sinclair was Sinclair wasn't in around the team. You know, he maybe wasn't playing, or he maybe wasn't playing at the standard that he was, or he was maybe on the bench. But he was still part of the first team squad. He was still making a contribution. So you mm-hmm. could understand. Well, yes, they've renewed that, or they've taken up the option of that last year. It just so happens that he never played in that last year. Unfortunately, he ended up going away to Preston. But with Incham. I would be thinking from a business point of view, Peter Lowell or Dominic Mackay would be turning and say, well, I'll tell you what, we've got this option, we're going to take it up, but we're going to either find you a club or get your agent to find you a club and we'll sell you in the summer. Is it, is it good business to, 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 to this last year optional or is it bad business by, by um, Celtic Master Team? Well, I think, it, I, I, think it, I think it would be good business because it seems that Celtic have all the power. And mm-hmm. It's not a case whereby the year's option has to be agreed by both parties. It's a case of you know, well, we'll we'll decide if we take up this option or not. So I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, it could it could work out positively. You know, I don't think there's any losers in this part because if they're performing well, uh, they're doing they can, well. Ex- it yeah, they can get to that last year that they'll extend the contract anyway. Or yeah. if they're not in and around the squad, like like in uh, in Charm's case. The, the, the Celtic are in full control whereby they can just turn around and say well actually you know what uh, we're going to renew the contract but you are free to leave and it's not free to leave but you know instruct your agent to find your club in the summer but we are prepared to sell you so I think Celtic mm-hmm. are, are in full control in the situation so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing So just moving on from that and be, be, before we go back we, at the start of the podcast there we talked about 
the obstacles like preventing Eddie Howe from from signing for Celtic, be it his garden leave for Bournemouth and his coaching staff that he wanted a contract for. With that over now, do you think that we're going to have an announcement soon that like there's, there's no more things to prevent announcement now out there, is there? No, you know, Paul, I, I've been saying on the podcast the last month that will be uh, will be an announcement very soon next week. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I keep on saying it, but you know what? I actually watched that game with interest yesterday, the Bournemouth and Brentford game, and obviously with Brentford winning, that made me think it's kind of now or never with Eddie Howe thing. Like mm-hmm. I say, I, I've stuck by it all along. I've always said I believe Eddie Howe will be now. All these sort of conspiracies or reasons that. They're not there anymore, no. Like there's no reason for to be there. Yeah, exactly. So, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Eddie Howe announced within the next two or three days. Maybe maybe even sooner, actually. And like, even if it drags on, like, would you think, like, like if it drags on a bit more, would you think it's another manager and and not Eddie Howe? You know, Mark. Oh, is this not? I think. We spoke about it earlier on. It's got to be now. Yeah. As Barry said, there, the next there's no reason for it not to be announced. If if it's not Eddie Howe, well, I don't see what's been holding it back. Do you get there's no re- exactly like there's no there's no holding back for any candidate. No, really. Do you know, no matter who the manager is, every season's finished. Finished, sir. I'm I'm expecting you know? an announcement in the next week. There's got to be an announcement in the next week, one way or another. Whether it's the director of football stuff or whether can't see how it wouldn't be Eddie Howe now. I, I can't see because if the Celtic board were to turn around and say, "Well, yeah, we're appointing a manager this week," however, it's so and so, not Eddie Howe. I'd be thinking, so why is it taking this long? Exactly. You know, what, what, what's taking so long to appoint this guy? We've all thought it was Eddie Howe, and like I say, there's been underlying reasons as to why they can't make the announcement. So I, I, I might, I might. In that it said how they know, do you get what I mean? They're, mm-hmm. they're hinting that they've been told this behind the scenes, and we know that Celtic, the same as every other club, have got their wee pet poodles in the press and on the uh, internet. And yeah, they leak and leak, they always kind of leak stuff out, Mark, don't they? Yeah. There's always people kept in the loop with these things, and I'd be, I'd be totally shocked if it wasn't Eddie Howe by this time. I don't see how it can be. Especially with Steve Rich coming out last week speaking about him. You know? Yeah, that was that was interesting as well. And like what I say, is? I sound like a broken record, but uh, like I say, I hope when it is, or if it is Eddie Howe that's announced, I'd like to think that what will follow him will be a, a multitude of players. Because like I say, I'd like to think that he's been working hard in the background. And like you said earlier, Mark, you know, I'd like to think that he's actually got players tied up, not just had discussions with them. I'd like to think that he's got guys that have agreed to come to the football club and they'll be announced very shortly do as well as the manager though, and the director do, of football. Do do you think though like that Eddie Howe's reputation being being with Bournemouth and have been successful in keeping the premiership, that he will be able to attract good players to Celtic now, Barry? You know? Yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean it's not just, you know, because well, Eddie Howe obviously has had he has had a reputation, you know, of playing a good brand of football with Bournemouth. And was it six years he managed to keep them in the Premier mm-hmm. League? But also, you know, it's not just when you listen to other top class managers, you know, like Jurgen Klopp, uh, Brendan Rodgers, other managers within Sir Alex Ferguson most recently. Uh, recently they've recently, all been yeah. Yeah, waxing lyrical about Eddie Howe. So he's clearly got this reputation as probably one of 
if not the high, most highly regarded up-and-coming managers in British football. So there will be players that want to come and play for him. I take that, Mark. Well, I think absolutely he can attract players of a high calibre. A mixture between Eddie Howe and Celtic should be enough to attract players for England. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's guys at the, the level of Sinclair, even... We were talking about players earlier on. We forgot to mention Alan Thompson, the effect he had on the team. What a player he yeah. was. But you'd like to think that Eddie Howe's, Barry saying his reputation doing in England and then being at a club like Celtic will be enough to attract a good level of player to players. It's going to be an exciting week, week, lads, I think. Hopefully that you know we get a manager place and, and we get stuck, stuck in on, the, on this rebuild. Like I think by the whole first race, thing is is the not knowing and and the, the board being so quiet that that's the most frustrating thing of Celtic isn't it? you know it, it is it is uh, Paul but you know what the silence is what's given me the confidence that it is all done and dusted you know, exactly I, I think I think that you know after the Hudder meeting with Eddie how what two months ago now whenever it was uh, and it's been indicated that no he wasn't coming or he was wanting to hold out for another club. Celtic would have moved on very quickly and the yes. press would have known about it. The press would have exactly. known that Eddie Howe's ruled himself out. So it's the silence from the board that's kind of given me the confidence that no, that, that this deal's done. But like these... we need to announce it now because we're now approaching June and the players yeah. will be back in for pre-season within the next three or four weeks with you know the, the Champions League qualifiers on the horizon. So you know we've spoke about it for a good few weeks now. The appointment needs to happen now so, so yeah. the fans know what's happening. We know what players are coming in. We know what players are leaving. Because like I say, the pre-season will be starting probably about the third week in June. So so we're only about four weeks away from that. So they really need to yeah, there's a, there's, get a there's, move there's, on it and get the like, announcement made. There's not much time really, Barry, like if, if they delay it anymore. Like, so there's not, you know, like the more you delay it's a disadvantage for the new manager coming to get his squad ready up for the pre-season and the qualifiers, especially with the Euros being, being this season as well. It's, it's, it's going to be very hard to get players in. in this. Well, you know, Paul, it's not a lot of time at all, but like, I'll go back and say what I've said previously. I'd like to think that yeah, there's there's deals being done. There's players tied up. There's players that know, you know they're going to be coming to Celtic. They've had contracts negotiations and everything that, that's what I'd like to think is mm-hmm. that. I certainly cross my fingers and hope that it's what it has because if we're just going to start the recruitment process next week or the week after no it certainly does not give you a lot of time and certainly with the volume of players that you know, Leaving. we expect yeah. to come in and the players that are going to go out the door it's a, a very quick turnaround so yeah like I say I'd like to think that that process started a good two months ago and we've got a number of deals not not just spoken about actually done and dusted and just ready to announce mm-hmm. Mark do you agree with that everything there yeah I agree with, agree with everything Barry said there just time to get it announced get it out there and we said it the deals because like, deals worked on see if it's Mark, it's going to be another complete call. Mark, it does make sense like that. It is Eddie Howe because of all these things we're saying like that. It's delaying the, the, the transfer. It was his backroom staff and his coaches like and uh, his guardian leave. Like, like, it all makes sense that maybe they could have been why they couldn't announce it. Like, but it's over now. Like, it's, it's time to announce it if it is Eddie Howe now. Do you know? Well, there's only other thing that will be the, that'll be the next rumour on the internet. It's because it's no, it's a contract's not actually up to the first of June or the thirty first of May or whatever it is. So could be Mark, it could be yeah, it could be another week. 
if the Celtic board did get a sniff that he was sniffing around other clubs, they would have been on to different managers straight away, Mark, wouldn't they? You know? Just like to think that they'd be calling his bluff and telling him, look, don't be stringing us along here either. You've let us yeah. serious interest in this. If you're only using us we, to get <laughs> interest. Ringing up Eddie Hoult and that Dave Lee Lennon, the show was there. You want to hurry up there before he's finished. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, that's that, that's why I think that you know there there has been a deal agreed. I, yes. I, I don't know how, I don't know like what sort of uh, contract you can do, uh, whether it be a verbal or there is a sort of written contract that says because like I say, Celtic the board can't hang about. You know when they had that meeting back two months ago, it couldn't be left. In the state that well, I'll tell you what. Exactly. I'm I'm kind of interested, but at the same time, I want to keep my options open. If that was fed back to the Celtic board immediately, the Celtic board should say, right, okay, well, you're no longer in the running for us. We need somebody that's going to be committed, and they would have moved on to the next candidate. I think because that's never come out for me. That that's what makes me think and believe that no, that deal was agreed back then. It's done. Forget about Crystal Palace, Newcastle. Doesn't matter if the jobs become available. The deal's done. Because like I say, I'd like to think that if he indicated to the club or the board that uh, he might be interested in, in taking up another job, he wants to keep his options open. At that point, the board has to move on from that. We can't we can't afford to wait about and see how, if a manager's going to come to us or not. We need to mm-hmm. go on to the next candidates. So for me, like I say, I think the deal's done and we'll, we'll hear about it very soon. And and Mark, his name has been there from the start, hasn't this Eddie Howe? It was the name that, of all the names that kind of stuck around the Celtic manager's job the, for the last couple of months, Eddie Howe's name kind of never went away, you know? Kind of suited, didn't it? He was out of, yeah. work. He was out of work and we were looking for a manager. <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's just what Barry's saying, it's got, there's got to have been these moves done and dusted behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Just to have things in place for one reason or another, they can't announce it. And you can't see him having no plan, Mark. Like you know what I mean? I, I couldn't see Celtic have that. Like you know, not not already having a plan behind the scenes. Like they like see, they're not going to tell us everything that's going on behind the scenes, Mark. So they're not. You know, if it's not ready, how Celtic are ready? Know who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of. Do you get what I mean? Not, yeah. That, there's not been any stories about any panic of oh, the panic. This one's turned them down, that one's turned them down, and all this kind of talk that you normally get in the mm-hmm. So if, if it isn't Eddie Howe, Celtic know who it is. Right? Do you get what I mean? It's either Eddie yeah. or X, whoever. But Celtic, yeah. know that's who it's going to be. Exactly. Yeah, no, I agree, Mark. There's no way we're sitting here. In the last week of May, and the Celtic board don't know who the next manager's going to be. There's just, there's just no way that can If happen. it is, Barry, I don't it's really bad management, isn't it? By oh, it's, 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 it's beyond that. It would, make, it would make me suggest the board are not fit for purpose. Yes, if we're sitting exactly. here at the end of May, you know, weeks away from a Champions League qualifier with the biggest squad overhaul potentially in the club's history on mm-hmm. the horizon, and we still don't know who our manager is, the board need to just call it a day, and we need to, we need a new direction. So, yeah. But like I say, I don't think, I don't believe that that's the case. So we leave it there, lads, and again, my thanks to, to Barry for, for coming on the show with us again, and my thanks for, for Mark for, for having us all on the show. Uh, Mark, I'll hand off to you for to close the show.
Thanks very much, Paul, for everything again. Thanks very much for joining us, Barry. You're brilliant on it every time you're on, mate. You're more than welcome. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, if you're not subscribed, please do so. And remember, hit that like button. Thanks very much again, lads. Good night and God bless. Head, head. Bye. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode of the Boz and Bovel podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel.